land, lots of land, and the starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. Don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off forever, but I ask you please. Don't fence me in. Don't fence me in. Just turn me loose. Let me straddle my own saddle underneath the western skies. On my guidance, let me wander over yonder till I see the mountains rise. I want to ride to the ridge where the west commences. Gaze at the moon until I lose my senses. I can't look at hobbles and I can't stand fences. Don't fence me in. Don't fence me in. Design Studio, beautiful The Hill, as they say. Good morning, everybody. Happy post-election day. And, well, it's a happy one for everybody who was endorsed by President Trump, I guess. Even, for that matter, Josh Hawley, who was endorsed by President Trump and looks to have easily won the nomination for the U.S. Senate seat on the Republican side. And, of course, that made national news, and it was set up as a pitched battle, and Josh Hawley already right out of the blocks said that he wants a debate with Claire McCaskill, and so chances are pretty good that ultimately, who knows? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I don't know who to thank for for that, uh, Emmy. Uh, Thank you so much for that, Matt. Appreciate you very much. Thank you to all the uh, people out there who've made this possible, this little Emmy. If if you're watching, you just saw Matt bring in the Emmy. That's all. Just put it on the table. Anyway, yeah, Josh Hollywood's lots of really – uh, crazy things happening last night. Lots of really confounding things. The voting totals for certain people we were following and looking at were kind of odd. 
I have never heard of Christine Smith before. I mean, I'm talking about never heard of Christine Smith before, and yet she got upwards of uh, 15, 16,000 votes. I'd never heard of the woman before. So it was really kind of weird. I think T- Tony Minetti, if the numbers uh, hold fast, came in second, and then Austin Peterson. Uh, Cortland Sykes was inexplicably way down there. That didn't make any sense to me. And Christine Smith was ahead of Christy Nichols. And again, never heard of her. This guy, Ken Patterson, who apparently went to all of two different kind of events and was carrying around, and no, no, no offense to people with oxygen tanks, but... He was carrying around an oxygen tank, and he wound up even getting ahead of Cortland Sykes, who was a statewide candidate, traveled statewide. I found that to be really a real problem, and I just find out that's just amazing to me, uh, those numbers that came in. And so I really found it to be uh, quite an interesting evening, and it, it, it seemed to me to be like there was a situation where people and and Democrats, it seems, were pulling Republican ballots. That's the only thing I can possibly imagine because I have to tell you, there was really no reason, at least statewide, to pull a Democrat ballot. And it's... Like, for instance, in the county race, which I was, boy, I was dead wrong about that. Wesley Bell winds up beating Bob McCullough, which is nothing short of astounding to me that Wesley Bell managed to pull off this prosecuting attorney's race where obviously there will be a Republican challenger. But normally what happens is the Democrat who wins is the one who uh, takes the cake and, and, and gets it. So, you know, in this sense, I guess that just is the most shocking thing locally that I could think of is the fact that Wesley Bell beats Bob McCullough in the prosecuting attorney's race. I just found that to be astounding. And these people still have Ferguson on their minds after all. And, Wesley Bell was a judicial court reformist, and there are a lot of conservatives who agree with him on uh, judicial reform, and and Bob McCullough had no problem with that apparently either, but wow, that was pretty confounding to me. And in Ohio, it turns out that Troy Balderson did hang on to win the Ohio special election. And, of course, that was in contrast to the people who believed uh, at first that there was going to be a Republican just – they were going to run over the folks, the the Republicans were going to run over in the elections. But it turns out that in Kansas, in Michigan, in Washington State – as well as in Ohio, everybody who was endorsed, although Kobach still maintains a pretty, uh, a, a pretty slight, slim lead there 
in Kansas, but it still is it still is tight. But nonetheless, everybody who was supported by President Trump wound up winning their races, and Republicans, especially with the Ohio seat, wound up hanging on to the Ohio seat, and that wound up being a pretty big deal because the news media would tell you that there was going to be a major drubbing of the Republicans in this election. And there are people who will tell you even that, yeah, it was close and that's just as bad for the Republicans. Well, come on. I mean, this this nation, this country on all levels is divided right down the middle. You had a lot of money being poured into that Ohio race. You had a lot of individuals who are Democrats who were coming out and they were definitely motivated, unlike they have been before. And so the fact of the matter is, it looks to me like you're this is just kind of run of the mill politics right down central. It's not any big ass deal that it was a tight race. And there are people who are going to claim that even though the Republican won in Ohio, that it was still a victory for the for Democrats. It wasn't a victory. You lost. You lost the House seat. It wasn't a victory. It's not a bellwether. And you're still going to get your asses kicked in the midterms in 2018. And you're still going to get your asses kicked in 2020. I mean, that's just how it's going to roll for you. And it will be tight. And there will be individuals who are going to really work hard to to move the meter here and, and make things happen. But in the end, this is definitely a thing where Republicans have the upper hand and had the upper hand. I will tell you that there's also a person joining me a little later on at 7 o'clock. He is part of a nationwide Republican push, voting push, a nationwide Republican voting push, much like the Democrats are doing. And I brought you a story a while back to show you what the Democrats were doing at a variety of district-level races uh, and what they were doing. And I'm talking about congressional races. And even though they do not live in these areas, you have people who are canvassing out there who are bringing out their clipboards and going door-to-door for Democrat candidates. And gobs of money is pouring in. Uh, to these races, gobs of money pouring in to these races, and it is uh, – they're presenting like $100,000 checks to these congressional candidates. It's pretty amazing. So Democrats are raising a ton of money, but guess what? So are Republicans. Republicans are doing much the same thing, and they did it in Ohio, and they've done it all around the country and will continue to do so. As we head into the midterms, and so I'm going to have one of the guys who is the lead organizers of that effort of getting out that vote and getting out there and campaigning for in districts where even these people don't even live. I'm going to have him on with me at 7 o'clock your time. Uh, he's going to be in D.C. He'll be on with me, and we'll uh, talk that over with him and find out exactly what they are doing. Do we have a, some issue with the Facebook stream again? Okay, because we had the same problem yesterday yeah, with the really skipping video. So we had a really solid internet connection. It's not anything that's on our side. It's just it's been acting funky lately on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. 
because we because I did a, I did a Facebook Live yesterday last night and it, it, we had no problem at all with with, with there was no skipping video or uh, none of that stuff. So I, I don't know whether it's just a morning thing for Facebook or what it is, but we are we're trying to fix the whole thing with the with the Facebook feed. Uh, stopping and starting and and everything else are people still getting the audio and everything and and that kind of thing? Okay, so we gotta we gotta figure that out because it's day two of this skipping audio uh, video for Facebook. So we'll try to see if we can get that all uh, worked out. So I was and and Linda asked the same question about these Missouri primaries and whether we need to move them up. I think there's probably some argument to be made for moving them up, not to kind of get a different result or not it's not from a sore loser standpoint but it is from a standpoint of maybe we ought to consider this because for whatever reason we are uh, the this the primaries go too long and, and and it's and and I also think it's a bad time to have uh an election august early august is one of the worst times you can do it i understand that there are people who are you know, getting back from vacation, getting ready from school for school. But I know a number of people who are just simply out of town and they take their vacations in August. And so I think the voting rolls are significantly down uh, on a number of levels. And I, I don't think it's a good time to have a primary. I think they ought to be held in April or May or whatever before school is out. And uh, I, I actually do think that that if as long as the kids are in school, I think that's a pretty good indication that you're going to have as many voters as you possibly can. So we'll talk more about that and about what you all think about that. Let's uh, reminisce because I always like to watch the uh, news media, you know, kind of uh, predict things that don't wind up being true. And it, there was really this thought that Republicans were going to get drubbed in this situation and, and they just didn't in Ohio and I said in Kansas, in Michigan, uh, in Washington and well here in Missouri for that matter, much to the chagrin of some people, the people endorsed by President Trump did wind up winning and it's it, it really is, I have to say personally that it it's too bad that you know, listen, I hope Josh Hawley wins and I'm sure that ultimately he's going to be a formidable candidate. And ultimately, if he starts to get his act together and 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 gets it going on, hopefully he's going to have more energy fighting Claire McCaskill than he did fighting the other candidates out there. The because if he has the same kind of lack of energy when it comes to his situation with uh, with Claire McCaskill, his the same kind of lack of energy. It looks like now we're grooving, Matt. Right? Yeah, we're back. Yeah, you mean just in terms of the the, the, the choppiness is gone, choppiness is gone. So Matt did something; he kicked it, which is what you do when you're an engineer. You just uh, kick the machinery, and it usually works. You either kick it or turn it off and on. And he and he couldn't uh, he couldn't turn it off and on, so he kicked it. That's what you do with the heavy machinery. It's the only way it responds. But nonetheless, Hawley better be more energetic against Claire McCaskill than than he was against his other people. And, and keep in mind, I have to tell you, and again, I'm not trying to screw up Josh Hawley early on because I'll support him either way. But 
you're you're in a situation where this was a pretty big fight on his hands. Although I guess you know the people who are live around the block and 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 been around the block, they know that eventually what happens is you. Uh, you get you, you sit back and watch all the other guys fight, and I guess it was a tactic, but it wasn't a tactic that made the base and so many people in the grassroots feel good. Yeah, it might be a tactic on your part to go ahead and lay low and let all your other opponents fight and do all that kind of stuff, and you kind of walk away with it, but how much respect does that show for your voting base. How much respect does that show for the hardworking Republicans out there who really do want Claire unseated? How, how, even if you think you're going to win anyway, and let's say you're Josh Hawley and you've been told all the numbers point to you basically winning this race, it's not going to be a problem and you don't need to work hard. Wouldn't you work hard anyway? Just because you want to be a person of integrity and of passion and enthusiasm, even if you thought you were going to win anyway, wouldn't you still play your hardest? And that's something I would have to ask Josh Hawley is what, what are you going to do with Claire McCaskill? I mean, I realize now, obviously you've got a bigger fight here. I understand all that, but isn't a person's character determined by what they're doing when people aren't looking or what they're doing, not only in times of strife, but in good times as well. And wouldn't you know that you have people out there who are Cortland Sykes fans or Peter Pfeiffer fans or Austin Peterson fans or Tony Minetti fans or Christy Nichols fans or even Christine Smith, whoever the heck she is, fans. And even if you knew that they were all fans of yours, and even if you knew they were all people who supported you and did all that kind of stuff uh, in your camp, wouldn't you want to go and talk to the other people who supported other candidates other than you? Wouldn't you want to go and campaign with them and get them on your side? Wouldn't you want to fight for their vote? And yet it just didn't seem like there was this passion on the part of Josh Hawley, and again, even if it was only because he knew he was going to win, that still is not an excuse not to get out there and talk to people and be in debates and that kind of thing. And to, and 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 just to play it safe doesn't doesn't mark you as a person of passion and integrity. So, I would just say to Josh Hawley, and eventually we'll get him on the air. And I'm I'm sure he, you know, I I hadn't even when I was at ninety seven one, he barely uh, did interviews. But nonetheless, at some point, we all know what Josh Hawley has to do, and I hope Josh Hawley knows what he has to do, and that is you got to work hard. And, and, and on top of that, you also still have to work hard for the people, all the uh, hundreds of thousands of people who didn't vote for you. you got to be able to get them on board. Because, yeah, I mean, when I go and, 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 and vote for them, yeah, I don't think I'm going to stay home in November. Stakes are too high. But nonetheless, there are a lot of people who might because, to me, the behavior of the Hawley campaign and the state party was abhorrent and insulting to the grassroots and people who have busted their asses for such a long time. It was an insulting display. 
And regardless of whether or not it was easy and it was a cakewalk and you were going to win anyway, the least we could expect is for you to actually just act like you give a flying rip. Act like you care a little bit about the grassroots. Act like you care about uh, America First Missouri and the people there. Act like you care about the people who were uh, active in the Tea Party who, uh, in my opinion, helped pave the way for the election of Donald Trump in the in the guise of creating candidates who were kind of off the grid early days didn't weren't always successful but it made people you know uh, uh, you know uh, it put people in a situation where you know they really kind of felt good about voting for people who weren't traditional candidates so but why wouldn't you do that why would you just decline to do interviews with people and 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 disappear and not why wouldn't you show up at Lincoln Days? Why wouldn't you be at every single one if you truly wanted to be the next U.S. senator from the state of Missouri, even if you thought it was going to be an easy thing for you, an easy skate for you, even if all the numbers told you it was going to happen? Why wouldn't you still get out there? And say, hey, I'm ready, and just invigorate people and make them feel like they're part of a process instead of you just, uh, I don't care what you do, I'm going to win anyway kind of attitude. That doesn't make for a a lot of goodwill uh, among GOP voters and especially among the people who work the hardest. Because I don't know whether Josh Hawley is watching this or watching what's going on, but the people who might have voted for him just casually, he's going to need more than them to win in November. He's going to need the very people that he basically ignored. And they're going to have to figure out a way to come up with something in them that says, okay, we'll work for you. But I'll tell you one thing, if Josh Hawley maintains the kind of attitude he maintained during the primary, he's going to lose. To Claire McCaskill. He's going to lose to Claire McCaskill if he thinks this is now just going to be a cakewalk for him. And he's going to lose without America First Missouri and without us. He'll lose. Without all of you out there, he will lose. And and we we've come too far to be in a situation where we've got to put up with the old school Republicans just assuming that they're going to win because they've got an R next to their name. That That's not going to work for, for a lot of us. And we thought we were past that, but we were back to the good old days, the good old boy days, the good old backroom executive committee days. And that's too bad. But I mean, I wish Josh Hawley well, but I'm warning him. And I hope that he has some smart people around him now, at least maybe even some smarter people, uh, who are going to be around him saying you're going to you're going to need to juice this up a little bit, buddy. You're going to need to start showing your face around, and I don't know whether that's going to change. Can you take that kind of laziness and and arrogance out of somebody? I don't know, but I do I do know that that the, the way the campaign was run, the way the Hawley campaign was run. With that kind of energy, you're going to get your ass kicked in November. And, and, and without us, you will lose. 
That's just the way it is. And I don't care. These people can talk all they want. Uh, the establishment can talk all they want about how oh, it was just an anomaly, those Trump supporters. But believe me, you will need it. There, there's a reason, too, why, for instance, I don't know whether you ever uh, wondered why uh, Snickers still advertises. You're like, boy, you'd think by now that everybody knows what the hell a Snickers bar is. Why would Snickers need to still advertise? For that matter, why would Coca-Cola still need to advertise? Well, there's a reason why Coca-Cola and Snickers advertise, even though everybody knows what a Coke is and everybody knows what a Snickers bar is, because it's about reinforcing your brand. It's about making people still feel good about, uh, about buying your brand and consuming your brand. That's what it's all about. There's a, there's a reason why uh, resting on your laurels in any kind of medium or any kind of business is, is death for you and your brand. It's going to get you every single time. And so, you know, I've said this before, but advertising in this case, and in this case, like Josh Hawley's case, running for an office or, or being part of a movement, it's as much about selling yourself to somebody as it is about reinforcing good choices that have already been made. And that's why, you know, Coca-Cola and Snickers, they get it. They, because they know that, that a lot of advertisement, and I'm no advertising genius, but I will have to say I'm fascinated and, 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 and I'm a, a viewer of marketing strategies and advertising strategies. A lot of what it's all about is reinforcement of your brand. And Josh Hawley did not care one whit about reinforcing his brand in the primary. And anybody goes by the wayside when that happens. And there are brands and businesses and things like that that have just simply gone away because they sat there and assumed that, well, no, people know who we are. We're good. They, they, what, what more can we can we say about our, our brand? Why do we need to keep talking to people about it and spending money to reinforce it when uh, people already know who we are? They see us in the, in the shelves. They can make a choice then. No, advertising and marketing is about getting your ass out there, promoting your brand, and reinforcing the fact that when people choose you, they've made a good decision. Thus the reason why Snickers and Coke still advertise, even though pretty much everybody knows what they are and who they are. Well, it's kind of like I, I'll make another analogy and then I'll, and then I'll move on with my, my preaching about this. Why do you go to church every Sunday if you are a religious person? Why was it going to church that one day enough? What more can you possibly say that, uh, that you, this Sunday that you didn't say last Sunday? You've read the Bible. And, and also, you know that, you know, for instance, in, in at least in the Catholic Church, you know, all of the readings and all of the Gospels and all the Psalms and all those things, you know, they, they regenerate. I've, I've heard the same reading in my lifetime multiple, multiple times because it goes in a, in a cycle. What if I just believe that, well, I went to church and 
2013, when the last time that psalm came around in its cycle, why do I need to go in 2018? Uh, it, it, you, it doesn't work that way. You need to continually feed your soul. You need to feed your spirit. You need to feed your faith. That's what you do when – that's what you should be doing when you're running for office and when you're, when you're committed to an ideal. If you're not committed to an ideal, ultimately your lack of commitment catches up with you and, 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 you, and it goes by the wayside and you wind up just simply dying on the vine. Uh, it just is. It just is the way it goes. So my message to Josh Hawley this morning is, buddy, you better, you better acknowledge that. You better look at the results of the race, and you better look at everybody who didn't vote for you. And you better look at the passion of all these other campaigns, and they were passionate, by the way. I will tell you, that's one thing that I am absolutely so happy about and and I can proudly speak about is the passion of the variety of these campaigns and just their energy was absolutely impressive. And I don't think anybody who lost to to Josh Hawley should have anything to regret about their work ethic and and how they – made themselves happen to the degree that they did. Although I still am confounded by Christine Smith. I don't know who the hell she is and how she managed to amass that many votes. Ken Patterson, who was carrying around an oxygen tank and went to all of like two things. I don't know how he managed to get as many votes as he did. But I will tell you that it looks like in a lot of different ways that there are a lot of Democrats who picked up Republican ballots, at least at least statewide and at least outside of, for instance, St. Louis County. St. Louis County had some pretty interesting races going on, especially the one with the, with, with the prosecuting attorney's office, which, man, I, I was dead wrong about that one. That's for sure. Uh, it's hard to believe that Wesley Bell was – is 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 now pretty much going to be the next prosecuting attorney. That just is astounding to me. And, and, and yes, he was a councilman there in Ferguson, but basically an activist. Yes, he is a is a practicing attorney, but boy, uh, that's that was truly shocking to to a lot of us. And I think probably also the reason why Steve Stinger won because he was able to get out a lot of these. Inner city votes and and these uh, and these movement votes and Montevani was way too conservative for some Democrats out there. So I'm I'm really uh, interested to see how that whole thing shook out. For the most part, the establishment Democrats though maintain their hold on a lot of races all throughout the country. So uh, the establishment Democrats did kind of uh, send some people packing. I mean, Lacey Clay. He had no problem with Cory Bush uh, and and beyond. So uh, interesting times. We do, though, have a lot of people who do have passion uh, in this country and who are going to be fighting on the Republican side. I'm going to have one of those individuals coming in at 7 o'clock. I'm expecting Pam Geller to be in just a a little later on, and we have a ton of other issues to talk about as well. So uh, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to go in and hit you with our star-spangled banner, our... National Anthem, my friends. Here we go. 
Welcome back to the Discovery Design Studios, discoverydesigninc.com for all of your trucking needs, ladies and gentlemen, all of your hauling needs. If you're a roofer, if you are a home builder, if you have any fleets of any kind, you are going to want Discovery Design on your side. And also, if you just want to call Arrowhead Building Supply and be on hold a little bit later on in the week. I don't know when we're going to get this together, but I just recorded all of their hold stuff. You know how the, 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 the those voices when you're on hold, it's like, hey, thank you for calling Arrowhead Buildings. That's me. I did one of those things. I was that, I'm that guy now all of a sudden with Arrowhead Building Supply, so I was really proud to do it. And um, Honored to be the voiceover challenge for Arrowhead Building Supply, everybody. Good morning this morning. Uh, don't forget, One Mattress King on Facebook is where you can go for all of your inexpensive, wonderful, comfortable mattresses. Mattress King, a proud sponsor of Radio Free Almond. And don't forget, too, Santino Cigars and Cocktails right there on Vogel Road. They have your bottle. It's a great place to hang out. Love doing that. Was there last week with a bunch of friends. Thank you also to my friends at America First Missouri last night. Renee Artman and Diane Neff and Ben Murphy and Annette Reed and the rest of the crew out there for hosting their watch party last night. It was a really fun time. We had a we had a great time. It wasn't as frustrating as you can imagine it was because there were a bunch of people who just simply had zero to apologize for in terms of their passion and the hard work they put in to a variety of different campaigns. So we were a happy warriors last night, uh, but disappointed in the outcome. Again, lots of schools of thought on on what's going to happen regarding Josh Hawley and his fortunes here in Missouri. But we do know one thing's for sure. If you know him or speak to Josh Hawley or anybody who was associated with him, and ultimately I'll try to see if I can get him on the show. I haven't had much success in reaching out to the Hawley campaign, and they haven't. They don't seem to really care. They figured uh, since we had so much attention being paid to people other than him, I guess he figured, why do this? But he's going to have to kick it up and he's going to have to get a new attitude uh, when it comes to the November election or he's going to be toast and we don't want him to be we don't want Claire McCaskill to win this election but we definitely uh, know that he's going to have to work hard and he's going to have to work harder than he was working before that's for sure because he basically phoned this in. And even if the numbers were true, even if everything was correct about how this was going to be a cakewalk for him, I'm still maintaining that even when you think something's going to be easy, you need to put everything that you know into what you're doing. You need to put all of your passion, all your energy into what you're doing. And you have to treat it like it is a, well, you're a Major League Baseball player. It's a Major League Baseball game. 
And you have to realize that in order to succeed, you have to get out there every single day. You have to hit. It's hard to hit a baseball. You're only going to hit three out of ten if you're lucky for a 300 average, which still can put you in the Hall of Fame. But you still have to get your ass out there and work. You still have to practice. You still have to get your hands dirty and do all that thing. There's not one successful person in this world who has phoned it in and who has, who has presumed that they were going to win. Josh Hawley, maybe this time around, had it easy because people were telling him it was going to be easy for him, and he had all these other opponents, and they were all going to devour each other, whatever. But, uh, but, but that's not going to work for you in November. You're going to need every ounce of energy, and, every, and you're going to need us. As I said before, so I'm not going to beat a dead horse there. In the opening monologue of the show, I basically laid it out there that Hawley needs is going to need everybody, and he's got to switch his attitude from half gear to full gear when it comes to beating Claire McCaskill because she'll be out there, believe me. And all of these people, if you saw the county prosecutor's race and Wesley Bell, of all people, win the, the, the county prosecutor's race. Believe me, the left-wing people are out there in force. They are working exceedingly hard. And you can write them off as kooks or crazy or this or that, but, you know, congratulations to Wesley Bell because that was pretty much, that was a pretty impressive win, I have to tell you. And even if you don't like it, even if you think it's nuts, Keep in mind, there are a lot of people out there who all thought we were nuts for supporting President Trump, but we still won, didn't we? And we'll still win in 2018 and 2020, won't we? But they still think we're nuts. They're trying to shut us down on Facebook and Twitter and everything else, but uh, they still think we're crazy. But they realize that the only way they're going to defeat our kind of craziness is by taking us out of the game. Dr. Eric Naputi, welcome to the show, buddy. How you doing, man? Naputi Wellness, NaputiWellness.com. Naputi Wellness, another proud sponsor of Radio Free Almond. And Eric, you've been busy, buddy. Can't wait to see you uh, again soon. And we'll be hanging out at Santino's, perhaps. Who knows? But uh, if you all have any kind of issues regarding your back pain, your, you get stomach issues, you get migraine headaches, PTSD, ADD, ADHD, trying to get the kids snapped up for school and you need some help with that, Dr. Naputi is there for you, NaputiWellness.com, a variety of locations down there in South County as well as in Chesterfield. So uh, there you go, Dr. Naputi. Thanks for your support of the show. So, again, these people are invigorated. The Democrats are energetic. You saw what happened in Ohio. They still lost, but it was a close race, and that's how it all shakes out. And don't let the Democrats tell you that a loss is a win. It's not. If you don't win, you lose. If you haven't, if you're not winning a race, you're losing the race. That's the bottom line. There's no uh, making progress here. You lost the race in Ohio. You lost. The Nets didn't think it was going to happen, though. Here they are over there at uh, ABC. They're, they're they're praying for the victory. Republicans are waging an all-out war to try to keep this seat. They are outspending Democrats by about five to one, George. And they have deployed not just President Trump, but also Vice President Pence in recent days. The fact that this is even a competitive race is a major sign of trouble for Republicans. It's not. That's the meme that Kasich keeps uh, going on and on about. And in this case, these are the networks they keep going on because it's all wishful thinking for them. The fact that it's this close and that's close. Now, if you're Claire McCaskill and you're an incumbent, 
and you're only polling one point ahead of, let's say, a Josh Hawley, we'd like to see the latest polls on that, then, yeah, that's a bad sign for you because you're an incumbent. But all bets are off here, and the Republican Party did very, very well last night. And you know what? You know who else did well? Trump-endorsed candidates. And much to the chagrin of a lot of people, uh, you all out there who did not vote for Josh Hawley but still saw him endorsed by President Trump, he benefited from President Trump's endorsement. There's no question about it. And a lot of people just simply said, well, if Trump likes him, then can't be all that bad. Trump's a winner. So let's go ahead and do it. And it worked in it worked in Ohio. It worked in Kansas. This Kobach race uh, who he endorsed, it's, it's still – a little bit of a a little bit of a, a an issue there because there's I think there's a uh, uh, there's a problem in Kansas uh, that that I will ultimately get to and 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 tell you about but but nonetheless I, I, most of the people who were endorsed by President Trump did wind up doing very very well and Michigan is an example of that uh, also so that's going to be a key here. That is going to be a key to Josh Hawley's fortunes when he comes around for November. He better work hard, and he is not going to simply go on a Trump endorsement here. He's going to need to reach out to people who really felt like uh, the executive committee of the the Republican Party and Josh Hawley himself did not show respect for grassroots voters. That's just a matter of fact. And again, Josh Hawley, congratulations for winning the race. I will vote for Josh Hawley in the general election. I'm just telling you, I'm not, I, I don't want Claire McCaskill in the U.S. Senate anymore. So I will vote for Josh Hawley, but I have to tell you, right now I'll vote for him. But I guarantee you, that guy doesn't show his face on this radio program or doesn't show his face at campaign events, or continues to ignore the grassroots, I'll just let him, I'll just let it wither, because I, I don't know how much we can take as conservatives, how much, uh, how, how much disrespect we can possibly, you don't have to kiss my ring or kiss my ass, but you know what? Act like you give a flying rip. And you didn't, because you, all your people there in Jeff City, all this cabal of never-Trumpers out there, because believe me, this was – and somebody said that Ed Martin at one point claimed that Josh Hawley was the original non-traditional grassroots candidate. Well, I don't think that if you're endorsed and you're promoted and the reason why you're a candidate is because of Jack Danforth, I don't think you can actually honestly say that you are the original grassroots candidate. I just don't see how you can say it. And can Josh Hawley help the fact that Jack Danforth supported him? Uh, No. But Danforth is a vicious, vile, nasty politician. Nasty, vile, potty-mouthed, vengeful, petty Republican who wrote a scathing article that if people listened to it, we would have Hillary Clinton in office right now. Jack Danforth is, I'm sorry, a horrible statesman and did Missouri and Trump a huge disservice. And I don't think anybody can ever forget that. 
And Jack Danforth is one of Josh Hawley's biggest supporters. And Hawley, the last time I talked to him, didn't and should be out there saying this was bullcrap right here. I'm surprised Trump even uh, he must not have even this must not have been on his radar or whatever, because either that or he confronted Hawley about it himself and asked him, hey, are you in with uh, Jack Danforth? And who knows? Maybe maybe that happened. Maybe it didn't. But I, I, I don't think that it did. I think I think President Trump, in all due respect to him, and I don't think this is this is a this is not a criticism of President Trump. I just think he was kind of flying blind on this one and relied on the Missouri Republicans to tell him who to who to talk about and who to vote for and who to do this who to, or not or who to endorse. I don't think it was anything really organic with him in any any way, shape, or form. But Hawley's going to have to have to come up with uh, more energy than he has before, and at the very least, put a phone call in to America First Missouri, Josh. Or have one of your people do it or something, but reach out to these people who've busted their rear ends on behalf of common sense conservatism. So we have that going on, and we have also, of course, the ongoing uh, media wars. I'm talking about Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and all these people shutting people down. Uh, We have exhausted this uh, topic, and so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But keep in mind, you know, I acknowledge uh, more than any anything that we I know that that this is we don't own Facebook. Facebook is a private company. Facebook can do whatever it wants to. Uh, Twitter is the same. And so is YouTube. These guys are all conglomerates. They're private companies. And if they want to shut me down it's their purview they do not owe me a platform which is why we're creating our own platforms that's that's going to be the true answer yeah we can treat these things like utilities yeah we can go after them like monopolies and then uh, from an antitrust level that's perhaps uh something but you know when it comes to messaging in the first amendment you never know uh when government gets involved i get it when they get involved in commerce but when they, they get involved with communication it becomes a slippery kind of slope we'll see I'm not, it's not beyond me to say that these guys are uh, these guys are individuals who, you know, are a monopoly and are just gobbling up and dominating. But they're still private companies, and if they don't like me, they don't have to like me. They don't have to like Alex Jones, and they don't want Alex Jones on. They can just go ahead and boom, uh, kick him off. That's it. But going to continue on with Facebook, Twitter, yeah. And ultimately, what's also going to happen is we're we're going to uh, be with with Doug Giles and our new platform, which is on Roku and and Roku. There's nothing you can do uh, Hulu, nothing you can do about our shows there, and so that's where we're going to start to to move, keep things there in the event that a, a platform like this goes south or they decide they're going to uh, figure out a way to uh, get rid of us in that fashion. So keep in mind, though, the left is really happy about this, and that's going to be a bigger problem because now that they've got a little taste of the ability of these conglomerates to just simply run conservative voices out they want to go further than that you've got stephanie rule over there at msnbc who has decided that uh, maybe twitter ought to just ban 
Donald Trump altogether for going after uh, this uh, wonderful basketball player, this wonderful man of color, LeBron James. She thinks she ought to just, uh, they ought to do on that. On Friday, Trump tweeted, LeBron James was just interviewed by the dumbest man on television, Don Lemon. He made LeBron look smart, which isn't easy to do. <laughs> I don't know. I love that. I, I, and, and, and by the way, we all know that President Trump calls a lot of people stupid and, and not just black people. Not just men of color, stupid, but uh, Don Lemon is one of the dumbest men on television. He's a race-baiting fool, but nonetheless, he's right. But listen to what she once done to to, uh, President Trump. Mike, Trump was referring to a CNN interview in which James criticized the president as being divisive. Kara, according to the New York Times, Trump has insulted someone via Twitter at least 487 times. Is there a point in which Twitter says... This is a violation of our ethics. We're going to shut you down. A violation of our ethics. We're going to shut you down. Now, again, if Twitter wanted to, they could shut the president down, even though it's odd because when the president decided to block people, the courts got involved. The actual government got involved and prevented him from doing that. So it's interesting that we are in a situation where there now is a – uh, it's it's now suddenly they want Twitter to to shut the president down altogether and don't even consider anything to be a violation of free speech. Essentially, it's not a First Amendment issue when you're dealing with a private company like this, and they can do whatever they want to, and they and they could they could shut him down, but of course they won't because Twitter, even though it might be left wing leaning, is still a business, and they know that President Trump is good for business. That Twitter logo is on the news pretty much every single day because President Trump is tweeting something. So Twitter, this is where you're really seeing Twitter as as a commercial entity is when they're not going to in any way, shape, or form ban in any way, shape, or form Donald Trump because he's good for business. Stephanie Rule is stupid and doesn't understand that aspect of it because, of course, these people on the left – don't really understand these kinds of nuances. They're the they're the dog staring into the cone on that on that record label that you see all the time. They just don't really understand. Don't know what is going on. They're just kind of like in headlights. But they think that this is something that Twitter would do. And of course, this is MSNBC, which yeah, of all things, does understand its brand. That's for sure. And when you go to MSNBC, you get what you get. They don't pretend to be anything else. But that's their line of thinking these days is to uh, see if they could find a way to block Donald Trump because he's insulting and violating their ethics. That, thank goodness, is not going to happen. These entities are sometimes a little bit problematic. But nonetheless, it is a situation where they're not going to ultimately uh, do that. Also, by the way, did you see Chris Cuomo he was uh, interviewing Rosie O'Donnell, and I have to tell you that he did a pretty good job when he was interviewing her and I think pushed back on her, and we're going to deal with that in just a little bit and and, and uh, talk about that case. Chris Cuomo actually tends to impress me uh, a little more every day in pushing back on some of these folks out there. But also at the same time, you see in a situation where in New York, this is Chris Cuomo's dumb brother, 
the uh, governor of New York, who has decided that he is not going to cooperate with federal authorities. Here you go. Talking about ICE in this case. First, we're going to have a... There's a time and place for this. And when you don't have the time or the place, Gun Medic blasts through buildup in seconds. It's like 911 for guns. Gun Medic, new from Hoppies. I'm telling you, I love when Breitbart does this. Every time they have clips of some left-wing kooks, it doesn't matter whether it's Rosie O'Donnell that we'll get to in a little bit, or Nancy Pelosi, or maybe it's an ad for some Democrat that they are uh, talking about and and attacking whatever, or maybe it's a story on Governor Cuomo who is not going to cooperate with ICE. Each time you have one of these videos up on Breitbart, I'm telling you, every time you turn around, it's uh, it's an ad for some gun, ammunition, or gun product like this hops lubricant or whatever the hell it is. I love this. That's why I always like to play them for you, which is why I don't skip ad. I don't push the skip ad button because I, I love this and everybody else should too. The last time that I had you on the program, Governor, I was down in McAllen, Texas on the, on the border. We were, we were covering uh, the family separation policy. The, your state had taken some actions. And I want to ask you about sort of a broader question about ICE, which has become a kind of flashpoint in national politics, Democratic Party politics. Um, your primary opponent, Cynthia Nixon, and the senator from your state, Kirsten Gillibrand, with whom I think you have a good relationship, uh, have both come out in favor of abolishing ICE, getting rid of the agency. Um, do you favor that position? You know, by the way, nice of you to finally spit it out there, Chris. Gee whiz. Oh, well, look, I think what has happened is the president has politicized ICE. Uh, ICE, as a police force, their intent Their purpose, their founding mission was right, which was to fight terrorism, right? We're New York State, 9-11. We want a police force that fights terrorism. We don't want what we have in ICE, which is a politicized police force, uh, which is doing the president's political bidding. And that's really the problem. Uh, We don't want him politicizing ICE. We don't want him politicizing the FBI. We don't want him politicizing the U.S. Marshals. Yeah, that's our job. As leftists politicizing the FBI, right? And that's what has to be abolished. Uh, we do need a police force, obviously, that fights terrorism, but uh, that's not what this police force is doing under this president because he has politicized it. Uh, and we don't want him doing it to ICE or any federal police force. You're supposed to keep your politics away from law enforcement, and that's the violation of this president. And so he says he will not cooperate in any way, shape, or form with ICE. Now, if you're the New York governor and you are in a situation where you are tasked with enforcing the law and enforcing law and order, he has thus created basically an amnesty state there in New York. These are the individuals who, again – Cuomo's an elected official. He's an elected New Yorker. That's where he is right now. And this is the consequence of elections of these individuals because you have to be very, very careful as we approach 2018 and 2020 and beyond not to continue to let these people infiltrate our sensibilities and infiltrate what we're trying to do in this country. And so that's why these elections are so important. That's why it's going to be important still 
for us to support people. Ultimately, we want to support Josh Hawley, but Josh Hawley is going to have to earn that support because the more people you have there, like Claire McCaskill, the more people you're going to have there, like Cuomo and others who are looking the other way when it comes to immigration, when it comes to protecting our gun rights, when it comes to common sense economic policies. And so there's a lot at stake here. And all I'm asking Josh Hawley to do, all I'm asking the anybody running as a Republican to do is act like you mean it. Get out there and act like you have the energy needed to maintain our position like we saw there in Ohio where Republicans have stayed in and did not allow Democrats to take them over in Congress and where we're seeing in other states as well. Maintain your presence. The only way you're going to do that is by working hard. Josh Hawley did not work hard for this nomination. And he's going to have to work harder for the seat. That's just the bottom line. These guys like New York Governor Cuomo and others, this is what happens when you get Democrats in high office, when you get them in in high offices of politics. They're going to wind up blathering on like that. So when we come back, I'm going to talk to you about an effort that actually is being headed up by my old friend John Bruner. He's in Washington, D.C., and this is a voting drive that is a fantastic effort. You've heard about the Democrats, and and i got to hand it to Democrats and the left. You saw that with Wesley Bell's win there in the prosecuting uh, attorney's race. They have energy. They have people. They have enthusiasm. And they're only matched by the enthusiasm of the Republican grassroots that was basically summarily ignored by Josh Hawley. But we've got just as much energy as they do. We just don't have some of the support of the higher echelon who acknowledges it and utilizes it and takes advantage of it. But nonetheless, the Democrats have a plan out there, and it's a pretty good one, where they have all these, these individuals they are raising a ton of money. And they're presenting these $100,000 checks to these individuals who are on uh, the – who are running in, in congressional races. And they – even though they don't live in those areas or, or any of those situations, they still have people canvassing in these districts on behalf of the Democrats. Well, check this out. Republicans have a similar plan. You just haven't heard about it until, oh, well, just a couple minutes from now when we're back here on Radio Free Almond with more. I'll uh, also listen to your comments there on uh, Facebook as well, or at least see them. Yeah, this is Common Sense Radio. It's Radio Free Almond in the Discovery Design Studios. DiscoveryDesignInc.com is the website. Appreciate the Pogues and everybody else helping me out here. You guys are great. Oh, baby, would you look right there? The way the sun is hitting your head. The way the world just stopped right here in midair. I don't ever want to move. You put the cool and the breeze. You put the weak here in relief. Put me right where I'm supposed to be In your blue eyed sea And I want to sail away Cause when I wake up in the middle of the night You holding me so tight But boy, I mean my own oh mind Sure feels good to love someone When you love the way I 
everybody. Happy morning for a lot of people. Invigorating morning. Disappointing morning for some. But nonetheless, we'll be okay. We'll be all right. Let me give... Oh, you know what I got to do, man? I got to use this microphone for uh, for my guy. Cliff Maloney, he's the president of Young Americans for Liberty. Get him on here. Young Americans for Liberty. These are the guys who are going to be out there in force. Even though they don't live in certain districts, they're going to be out there in force in these districts raising a ton of money because this is what's at stake in 2018. we got to match the energy of the other guys. Can I go ahead and pull the trigger on this? Yeah, let me do it. Let's see if I can get him on. Come on, brother. Answer your phone. Hey, good morning, Jamie. Hey, good morning, Cliff Maloney. I was almost thinking just for a second there that I might have uh, I might have lost you, but I'm glad uh, you are with us. Young Americans for Liberty, thanks so much for uh, what you're doing, buddy. What's it like working, by the way, with John Bruner? He's a good guy. Have you uh, had a chance to kind of be with him closely at all? Yeah, he's been a great advisor and mentor uh, to what we're doing with Operation Went the Door. He really is just somebody that, you know, cares deeply, has some convictions about the principles of the Constitution, and uh, he's just somebody that's great to work with. Well, brother, thank you so much for what you're doing. You know, Cliff, I want to let you know, a while back, I did a, uh, I did a, a story, uh, and and they were touted heavily by MSNBC. These folks were uh, congratulated. Uh, they were a democratic operation, and they were raising a ton of money, and they were going into these districts on a variety of different levels. And even though they didn't live in the districts, they had a lot of people canvassing door to door on behalf of uh, local democratic candidates, and it really did seem to have a, a great impact on some of these races. And so you guys, though, I'm pleased to see, are ha- have a similar operation. Uh, what's it called again, and, and what exactly are you guys, how, how is this operating? How is this working? Yeah, sure. So it's called Operation Win at the Door. And Young Americans for Liberty, you know, we've been around. We have a college chapters across the country. And what we've been doing is we have been recruiting students uh, based on the principles of the Constitution. So limited government, free markets, civil liberties, the idea that individuals, you know, should have more power than government, right? That we can create the pro- or we can create the solutions uh, much more than government entities can and bureaucracies and these government-type uh, committees. And so what we decided to do with Operation Win the Door was we said, hey, you know, we've been educating and building and recruiting this youth army of people who really, really agree with the principles of the Constitution, how can we put them to work? You know, how can we take this youth army and really start to make an impact and make sure that other people outside of the college campus are hearing those principles of liberty? And so what we do with our students is we look to find candidates that we think pass what we call our viability and principle test. So if there's somebody who actually believes in the Constitution and they have a chance to win, what we'll do is we'll endorse them, and endorsing them means that we'll send 
10 of our activists to their district for 30 days and will knock on nearly 30 to 35,000 doors um, in support of the candidate. What we've done, though, Jamie, I want to be really clear, is we focus in specifically on state legislative races because we've realized that the numbers at that level, you can have much more of an impact and we can actually win these races by focusing at that level. So the, the, the idea and the tactic, 30,000 doors by focusing in on state legislative races, knocking doors, by putting 10 activists on the ground for a month. And uh, my goal is to win 250 state legislative races before the 2023 cycle, um, which really, in our eyes, would build the bench, would create a longstanding bench of people that can take the country back, that can actually have an opinion have a voice, have a voting record, and pass legislation um, that actually believes in free markets and limited government. That's what we're working on. Right. So Operation Win at the Door, Win at the Door, is right there. Then in at the at the very localist of levels in terms of uh, state legislative races, you believe that ultimately that's going to be. Uh, what ultimately creates a foundation for more common sense policies as we approach federal uh, elements too. But you know, as you as you acknowledge, uh, it's true that yeah, we do talk a lot about Congress. We do talk a lot about uh, what's happening in D.C. But when it comes to what happens in our state legislatures, sometimes that ultimately has more of an effect on people's lives on a regular basis than anything that happens in D.C. Correct. You are 100% correct, and that is exactly why we locked in on this level. Because, look, if you're somebody who believes in the true role of government uh, being as limited as possible, then you're probably a big fan of states' rights over federal rights. So, you know, if you believe in the Tenth Amendment, if you believe that that's how the government should be structured, then what you really should be focused on is, is, is building up uh, people that understand that at the state level. Because they're the ones that can really push back, Jimmy. They can actually push back on the federal government. You know, and, and there's a gentleman, uh, Congressman Thomas Massey out of Kentucky. He speaks to a lot of our Young Americans for Liberty events. And what he talks about is he says, look, he says, it's not me that's taking your liberty away. You know, it's not the federal government. You know, sure, there are, you know, missteps and there are things that they do that are not, uh, let's say, for, for more limited government. But what he said is, you got to focus on the state. You got to focus on the local level, because those are the people that are really doing things that aren't under the uh, the magnifying glass. Because most people are kind of inundated with national media, with federal, you know, elections, with Trump, with the presidency, with Congress. So if everybody's focus is there, uh, but it should be at the state level, it's actually been an opportunity, an open door for us, Jamie, because. We're a national organization. We're focusing on state house races, and there are 5,400. If we're talking about the lower house in each state, there are over 5,000 seats across the country. So we can cherry pick. I mean, we can go in and find uh, some of these uh, areas that are the perfect candidates, the perfect districts for our message of limited government, and we can start to actually get good and limited government conservative liberty-type candidates elected. Um, but that's the reason for the focus is we think, A, it has more impact. B, we think we can actually make a difference because nobody else is focusing on these. Uh, and C, you can actually talk to people because as much as, uh, as we like to think that federal races 
uh, or about the ideas, a lot of times it's just money. You know, it's money. It's a name idea. And it's whoever can get up on TV. Whereas the local level, you know, people don't really have, a, you know, uh, an understanding, let's say, of the people that are, that are running. So when you can go to them and they have that open mindset, we can talk about our candidates, we can talk about the ideas, and they've been very open to it. We've got five victories uh, so far through Operation Win at the Door. Uh, one of them last night uh, in Missouri, as well as Michigan. Um, you know, so we're 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 humming. We're pretty excited about the results. What was the what was the Missouri race? Yeah, sure. So we actually did two in Missouri. Um, I'm going to start off by telling you we lost a race in Missouri. A gentleman by the name of Robert Stokes. Um, we lost by less than 70 votes. Wow. So as much as it was an exciting night, it was also a painful night. Um, both of them are, uh, the, the second individual is Dirk Deaton. Uh, Dirk Deaton and Robert Stokes, they ran for District 159 and District 162. Um, they are the southwest corner of Missouri. Um, District 159, which is Dirk Deaton, is in McDonald County. Um, literally the southwestern tip of the state. And then uh, Robert Stokes District was uh, in Jasper, and a little bit of it was in Newton. Right. Um, so both of them uh, were great candidates we found. Very excited about it. Uh, Dirk Deaton, uh, I have to see the final number. We called the race late last night. He won by double digits. I want to say he's going to end up winning by about 25 or 30 points. Um so, you know, we go into these districts and we knocked uh, 30,300 doors uh, for Dirk Deaton. We knocked 30,100 doors for uh, Robert Stokes. And so our students have been in Missouri for the past 30 days, uh, knocked on, like I said, over 60,000 doors total in Missouri. And, uh, you know, these are Missouri Young Americans for Liberty students that are passionate about reclaiming, right. uh, you know, the actual state capital. And trying to get people that believe in limited government there. Yeah. So uh, that's where we've been for the last 30 days. And last night we had an exciting victory, like I said, with Dirk Deaton. You should look into this guy. He's exciting. He's an upstart. Uh, somebody who believes in the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment. I mean, he's a Bill of Rights guy. And he's young and he's bright. And he's, uh, he's really just somebody that should be a future leader when it comes to truly conservative, liberty-minded uh, individuals in this country. And I think it's just the beginning for him. And that's what we're trying to do through Operation Win at the Door is prop up these young uh, candidates who we think should be the future of America. You know, people that believe in the proper role of government. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, you guys are doing a great job and it certainly is heartening. And it looks like the future is bright when it comes to common sense conservatism with uh, groups like Young Americans for Liberty around. And if you all want to know more about Operation Win at the Door, just go to YALliberty.org. It's Young Americans for Liberty, but YALliberty.org, and you'll get all the clues there. And if you all have some local races you're interested in or that – Ultimately, you want to tap into the resources there and the energy of Young Americans for Liberty. That's the uh, website for you. Cliff Maloney, thanks a ton. Glad we finally got this uh, going, and you guys are doing great work. And uh, we appreciate you here uh, at the local level. And say hi to Mr. Bruner for me, and uh, it's good talking to you. You as well, Jamie. You spread the good message of that Constitution.
We'll talk to you later. Yes, sir. That is uh, Cliff Maloney. He is with Young Americans for Liberty. And it was uh, John Bruner who uh, reached out to me and ultimately um, – and by the way, the reason why we have this weird-ass uh, thing going on with the phones and everything else is because uh, uh, I – had a plug-in in my computer, and I, I finally did get my little kit. I got, I got, a, I got a small tr- screwdriver kit, so I'm going to perform some surgery on my MacBook Pro. My $6,000 MacBook Pro, whatever it costs, I don't know. I had, but I had a little jack break off into the hole there. And so that I do here. So I'm using my iPad now. And, and after I do surgery on the MacBook, I'll be back in action. So we won't have that kind of weird sounding uh, uh, deal there with the phones. But nonetheless, folks, that's the that's the kind of grassroots effort, the kind of grassroots effort and work we need at the local level. And as you know, and you've heard this before, all politics is local. And these guys, these young people out there who are hitting the streets for uh, local candidates who reflect liberty-minded, common-sense conservatives like yourself, uh, they are out there and uh, they are alive and, and, and kicking. So it's a, it's a good thing, and you guys are uh, more than um, uh, welcome to go ahead and hit them up at yalliberty.org and see what, uh, see what they are all about. But we're going to need people like that in order to make some efforts at state house levels. And we'll need people like that too when it comes time for some of these congressional races and local races. Believe me, these people are, uh, I'm telling you, out and about, and they are, man, they're very active. I still can't get my hands around. And of course, this is me being absolutely wrong, but. I thought the idea of Wesley Bell defeating a guy like Bob McCullough for prosecuting attorney, I I didn't think that would happen in in a million years. I never imagined that would be happening. And and, and I completely – I feel like I'm – I feel like – I must feel like like Hillary Clinton felt about how I was just simply overrun by – uh, a bad prediction, and these guys got out there. You got to hand it to the to the Wesley Bell folks for unseating uh, Bob McCullough. I have to tell you, I think that we don't need more. I guess I wouldn't call Wesley Bell anti-police. I I don't want to go there because I haven't had a chance to really uh, talk to him and figure that out. Not every activist in Ferguson was anti-police, but boy, they got there almost. They were getting there. Uh, they did a lot of damage, some of these people up there. Wesley Bell was actually one of the more sensible people. I remember interviewing him. He was a member of the Ferguson City Council. I remember interviewing him uh, when Ferguson and the aftermath was going on, and they were talking about uh, judicial reform and court reform. And court reform was a uh, big deal, uh, and, and I thought it was a really good thing that uh, Republicans and Democrats came together on in terms of court reform with the problem being that we had a lot of situations when you you get up there in North County and these people get caught in this wheel where they get uh, a citation for something, even like a seatbelt violation, which I still still don't understand why you get get tickets away to for people with seatbelt violations. It seems like just, you know, so ridiculous. 
But nonetheless, uh, then they get the seatbelt violation. Then, then they don't have the money to pay the ticket or they miss a court date. Then you miss a court date, and then suddenly your fines stack up because you missed the court date. Then there's a warrant out for your arrest. Then you're this, then you're that. And sometimes, you know, if, if uh, you, the car you were in where you got the seatbelt violation, you don't have that car because mom's using it for work. And then suddenly it's like you get caught in this stream and this wheel and it becomes such a problem. And so thankfully, Republicans and Democrats came together on that issue and decided that they were going to uh, make some moves to kind of uh, change that local court system to the point where it's not so oppressive, where it's not a situation where the judicial system is working against its own citizenry or or where police are put up to this task of of uh, nitpicking and uh, people and 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 getting people for going five miles over the speed limit and that kind of stuff. Police don't want to do that. They're not, they're not, that's not why a police officer goes to the academy so he could sit there hiding behind a tree to catch the person going five miles over the speed limit. That's not what most police officers uh, want to do or should be doing. And I only hearken back to my day. And anyway, Wesley Bell was part of that operation. So he's not a kook by any stretch of the imagination. Unfortunately, a lot of kooks voted for him, and a lot of kooks have some expectations from him when it comes to uh, what they're going to be doing with, uh, with the court system. He's already talking about kind of not prosecuting these cases and not prosecuting those cases. And, you know, at some point, you do have to have a certain degree of common sense. And I, I think that there's a danger in infusing a social justice model in a law enforcement environment. I mean, I think it's a really, you got to tread very carefully in that whole thing and be very, very careful uh, with that whole thing because you don't want to uh, ultimately have a situation where you're in, where the law is kind of seen as flexible and, and pliable to the whims of somebody who feels a certain way as opposed to just enforcing the law for what it is. Maybe it's time to actually look at the laws themselves as opposed to attempting to kind of uh, manipulate the prosecution of them. That's all I'm saying. You got to be careful about that. And Wesley Bell, we'll have uh, more of a discussion down the line about all this because uh, it, it was Pretty confounding, pretty surprising to see uh, Bob McCullough just uh, wiped out there in in the election. It was surprising to see a lot of people uh, who didn't do well statewide. And I, I will have to tell you that my opinion about all this is that there were a lot of individuals who are Democrats who took Republican ballots. Because outside of St. Louis County, when it came to some races – especially like, for instance, with the Claire McCaskill race. There was no reason for a Democrat to vote in the U.S. Senate race. Was there now? So so if you're, I, I guess if I knew, if I did, I would try to manipulate it. I would do that myself. I would go in, if, if I knew, for instance, it was a foregone conclusion that there was an incumbent U.S. Senator uh, who's a Republican, excuse me, who's running for re-election and is running against an individual who might be uh, 
you know, uh, a group of people, like ten people or something, I would, uh, uh, in, and it was it was in the opposite party. I would I would choose a Democrat ballot and go in there and pick the dumbest person or the person who had the least ability to win. I'd pick I'd pick the one who I knew couldn't pull it off. Or somebody who, or somebody who I'd never heard of, or or maybe I would, uh, maybe I would go and uh, and just choose the guy who carries around the oxygen tanks like somebody did with Ken Patterson. Now Ken Patterson again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making fun of people. Without, I'm just saying Ken Patterson like appeared at like two different two events, I think, and wasn't even seriously running for that matter and wound up getting far more votes than like a Cortland Sykes got. That doesn't make any sense to me. And the only way I can make sense of it is that there were Democrats who were pulling Republican ballots and went in there and decided they were going to go ahead and, um, and, and, and vote that way and pick people like, for instance, Christine Smith. Had you guys ever heard of Christine Smith before this race happened? It was confounding to me. Now, I realize that I guess you could say we're in some kind of bubble here in St. Louis or whatever, but we talked to a lot of statewide candidates. and We talked to Cortland Sykes. Cortland Sykes was a statewide candidate. Austin Peterson, Tony Minetti, Christy Nichols, Peter Pfeiffer, I mean, but but I mean, you know, but even Peter's campaign was very highly localized to a certain degree. But I, you know, to me, it just seems like somebody was messing around there. I mean, I thought it was interesting too that Paul Kurtman uh, didn't do as well as I thought he would do. Paul Kurtman, of all people, you'd think Republicans would have uh, pulled the trigger for him. Right away. Now, I know I interviewed Dan Wassinger, who is another candidate who, uh, but, but, I, but who came in second, I think. But I interviewed Dan Wassinger, and uh, Dan seemed like a pretty good guy, but I, I couldn't figure out how is it that, and can anybody answer this for me if you're, if you're in the St. Louis Tea Party? or you are part of that whole situation, how was it that the St. Louis Tea Party decided that they were going to go for Dan instead of Paul Kurtman, who was, who is, was a very active and, and was uh, one of the integral parts of the St. Louis Tea Party? How was it that they decided to endorse Dan Wassinger over... Paul Kurtman, I, I wonder if anybody can uh, can can answer that question for me, and and how that whole thing went down because I just uh, was confounded by that. I thought Paul Kurtman would do far better than he did, and the only thing I can think of is that there were people who wanted, uh, you know, somebody else other than someone like Paul Kurtman, who was a formidable candidate, by the way. Uh, and who was a guy who was top to bottom kind of law and order when it came to uh, came to the auditing process when it came to uh, when it came to this clean Missouri debacle, uh, and I just thought 
it was really odd to see how Paul Kurtman didn't do uh, didn't do as well as I imagined he would do. I thought that was confounding to me, and the only way I could possibly figure it out is that there were Democrats who were pulling Republican ballots. Sandra McDowell is an individual who I did, in fact, uh, have in the studio here as well. And Sandra McDowell is going to have some problems in this race. Uh, She's a great person. She's a 38-year-old Air Force veteran. And she worked in the Secretary of State's uh, Securities Division before running for auditor. And she had previously worked in the Attorney General's office. Uh, but they have some, there, there are some problems coming down the pike for her in terms of some past issues regarding finances and that kind of stuff that will be held against her, I, I guarantee you. That's, that's in the offing. And that that is going to be a a problem uh, for her, I believe. I hope it's not, because I would want Sandra McDowell in in office as a Republican and as a person who will fight clean Missouri, and that's that uh, diabolical effort to turn us into another Cook County. But I'm hoping that that that's the case. But still, uh, she's going to have some issues that are going to be brought up uh, by Nicole Galloway who is kind of a mini Claire McCaskill for all of Claire McCaskill's uh, situation as a Missouri Senator. I do. I will give her this. She was a darn good state auditor. That's for sure. And Nicole Galloway is kind of modeling that a little bit. Uh, and she's the only statewide Democrat and she's a woman. And so the Democrats are going to do everything they possibly can to, to keep her in there and to keep her around and to promote her uh, fledgling political career. So this is going to be a pretty interesting race, and they'll throw everything they can at Sondra McDowell, and the key is always having something they can't throw at you. And I always thought Paul had the least they could throw at him, but who knows? And uh, I guess in the end, uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. Someone's asking about this crossover situation regarding Democrats, Taking Republican ballots, I think there there is there is there is no chance that this was only Republicans voting in this primary. It, it the, the numbers and and what I saw in the numbers and the people who did better than the others. It's an impossibility that this was an organic election for Republicans. It just doesn't stack up. I don't think people voted and and got Hawley purposely in there because they knew he was going to lose because I think there were a lot of Republicans who did vote for Josh Hawley. So I get that. But the fact of the matter is Christine Smith, come on. I mean, come on. She didn't even campaign Or, 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 or hardly at all. Didn't even campaign. I think she had like a website or something, and she's, you know, she's got a picture of herself kneeling outside of a barn someplace. But that that's about it. Now, so what's the solution to that? Well, we can have a thing called uh, closed primaries. And right now, uh, it's an open primary. So you, can, you can decide if you voted Republican last election or, or Democrat last election, you can, you can pull a Republican ballot if you're a Democrat the, the following election. Now, in a closed primary situation, what you can do, that means that you're, if you voted Republican in 
in one election, you got to vote Republican for the next four years. You, you, ha- you have to stay on your ballot. Now, there are good arguments on, on both sides of this whole thing. There are some people who believe that by manipulating the ability of people to vote one way one time and the other way the next time is kind of not necessarily a freedom-loving decision. That that people ought to be able to decide that today they are a Democrat when last time they were a Republican, but I I really think that at some point you can manage these elections to a point where they're not easily manipulated in this fashion. So I'm I'm sure there's some be- there's a better discussion to be had about all this or a longer one to be had. Uh, also, by the way, turnout was terrible as uh, as we just heard from uh, from Alicia. Yeah, v- voter turnout was awful, and, and it was uh, I think that affected uh, the race quite a bit. And again, uh, you know, it, yeah, Janet's clothes probably doesn't sound too good now. Yeah, it's 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 a debate, Janet. We'll we'll and we and we should have and we should have it and figure it out. I also think the timing of the election is I think early August. Uh, it's it's too much. Too many people are checked out. It's still summertime, and it, and school hasn't started yet. And my and my rule ought to be, uh, my my feeling is the rule ought to be: if the kids are in school, let's have the election. If the kids are not in school, let's not. And that'll guarantee you as many people participating and in the flow as possible. And and not taking their a lot of people take their in a lot of ways in a lot of places. August is the time when people take their vacations. It's kind of kind of how it all works out. But nonetheless, as I said earlier, and I'll say it again, Josh Hawley, you got to show us you're interested in this job. You got to show Missourians more than what you showed them in the primary. And uh, as I pointed out before. That a, a a mark of your character and of your integrity and of your passion and your gettuitiveness is what you do when you think something is still easy. And 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 Josh Hawley was told this was going to be an easy election. So how did he respond? By doing nothing. That that's not the American way. That's not. The way we want our politicians, especially common sense conservatives, to act. That when you think it's a cakewalk, we don't want you to act like it's a cakewalk. We want you to act like it's your last breath of life. Because that's the way we operate. We don't phone it in. Even though, you know what, sometimes we probably could get away with just half-assing this and half-assing that. But people, but that's, not, that's not how people win. That's not, that's not how people uh, make their mark. And that's certainly not how after a primary where you've ignored entirely the grassroots, where you decided never to participate in an event, uh, a campaign event uh, like uh, the, the Lincoln days where you don't even go to them. You know, th- th- this is a, this situation where you, that's not going to work in the general election. And when, what's what and Josh's problem is and again. I don't want to. I don't want to damage his candidacy. I, I, w- I want to be able to help him. But the fact of the matter is, when you've gone through a primary where you have disrespected the people that are truly the engines of the conservative movement in this 
state and are truly the engines of common sense conservatives and, and are responsible for the election of Donald Trump. When you spent the entirety of the primary basically telling them to buzz off, that's not a, that's not a good thing because you need them. You're going to need them. And I'm not saying that, you know, I, I would have a hard time not voting in the general election with considering what's at stake, considering the votes that are at stake, considering the bigger picture in our economy and everything else. But I, I'll tell you, if Josh doesn't double back and mop up some of the mess he made during the primary, he's going to have a problem in the general. That's just that's just human nature. That's just the way it goes. And so I'm hoping to see more of a more of an effort on his part to double back, talk to the people in America First Missouri, talk to the people in the grassroots, acknowledge they exist, acknowledge they're around. And these people who claim that he's the original grassroots candidate, he is not because he's got, you know, listen, Jane Cunningham and some really well-respected people supported Josh Hawley and and really respected conservatives. So I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not going to, Cover him with Jack Danforth stink, but he's got to he's got to get rid of that one way or the other because we we can't have another wishy washy fence sitting Republican in there. And uh, you know, uh, Laureen points out, Jamie, he doesn't need your help. The same forces that got you off the air and got Greitens removed. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the, the, this this situation where these uh, you know these people it's really easy i i had a lot of people who were uh who were just mainstream republicans who didn't give me the time of day after all this happened with me hell i still can't get a phone call i still can't get roy blunt to be on the air with me i, I you know i ann wagner who uh nicely helped me uh, try to get a, a tour of the White House when I was in D.C. She's helped me kind of behind the scenes, but publicly I'm still too toxic for her apparently. Uh, and and Roy Blunt's the same. Roy Blunt won't even return my phone call. I helped get his rear end elected. I mean, I I I'll never forget one time sitting in and at the Frontenac Hilton when he asked me to uh, to sit, sit with him and his wife Abby. Because he was sweating bullets over this uh, Senate campaign, and, and and I was telling him, I said, "Listen, you just if you keep on beefing up your forces and keep on talking to the grassroots, and 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 Trump is going to win." I t- I told him, I said, "Trump is going to win, and so will you." But the only way you're going to do that is by is by embracing him, not pretending that you just are kind of like don't know him. And you know what happened ultimately. Uh, Roy Blunt became Trump, uh, the the head of Trump's inaugural committee. But 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 I but I helped him. I aided him. I sat with him. I took time out of my schedule to go meet him at a hotel lobby. And and Roy Blunt won't return my call. So I don't want I don't want people like that up in Washington. You know, I mean, Roy's done a pretty good job as far as I'm concerned. But but again. Uh, I, I I can't bring myself to be in a situation where I can't I won't go I won't vote for Josh Hawley because he didn't call me. You know what I mean? I I, I need we need Claire McCaskill out of the U.S. Senate. 
that 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 should be our number one big picture goal. But again, uh, but you need to trounce her. You don't need to edge her. I mean, although you know you edge her, she still loses. I get that. But we need we need a statement to be made, and Josh Hawley is going to need everybody to beat her. He's going to need everybody, and he's going to need everybody that he ignored to beat her. Unfortunately. So so uh, he's going to need and I'm talking about more than just voting for him, people who are promoting him and, and people who are uh, uh, people who are promoting him and people who are in a, in a situation where they are actively campaigning for him. You need more than just somebody who might go vote. You need people. If Donald Trump didn't win because we just went to the polls. Donald Trump won because we evangelized on his behalf with Missouri voters and with others. Donald Trump won because we busted our rear ends on social media and beyond. Donald Trump won because America First Missouri, which Josh Hawley has ignored, helped Donald Trump win. The same Trump who endorsed Josh Hawley. So, you know, but we still have to get out there, and I agree with Kim Paris and Kim. Thanks for that. That uh, that we need to we need to we need to get Claire out, and Josh is there. But we need to be uh, we need to get him need to get him in line and energized. And he 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 owes it to the grassroots roots to do that. So hopefully, maybe. We didn't hear from him or weren't able to talk to him or he wouldn't talk to us during the primary. Maybe now he'll talk to us. And I'll be more than happy to have him on the air and talk to him. And and I'll tell him everything I just told you because I've known him for a while and had him on before he was even attorney general and beyond. But but, but the Democrats are lathered up, man. Claire McCaskill has huge amounts of money. She'll do anything. She'll she'll lie like she did – Back when she was running against Jim Tallon, remember she told the lie about how George Bush left black people on the rooftops there in New Orleans? Remember that? She lied. She'll say anything to get elected and anything to ladder up her base. Even lie like she did during the race with Jim Tallon. And one quick story about Jim, and then, I'll, and then, I'll, then I will move on. Jim's going to be on with us tomorrow. And, and, and Jim is... A person who is a good friend of mine, and and Jim is also an individual uh, who has uh, served this country well, and and but but who acknowledges what happened back when Claire McCaskill beat him, and then I'll get to some other stuff for you. I don't want to sit here and just lecture. Uh, by the way, one quick thing, I will tell you that my analogy about Snickers, I'll go back to that Snickers and Coca-Cola is brilliant. There's a reason why Snickers and Coca-Cola still advertise, even though everybody knows what a Coke is, everybody knows what a Snickers bar is. They still advertise because it's reinforcing decisions people have already made about what they're going to consume, and it reinforces a good product. So a guy like Josh Hawley can't phone it in and just say, look, I'm a Republican. Everybody loves Trump. I can win. You got to know you got to get out there and get your hands dirty and be as energetic as the people who tried to unseat you. And because you have to constantly reinforce your brand, it's not enough just to sit back and watch it happen. 
and, and watch things go. Snickers, just ask the people over at Snickers and over at Coca-Cola. Hey, everybody knows what a Coke is. Why are you doing this? They'll tell you exactly why they're doing that. Because we want to keep Coke at, a, at, a, at the forefront. Because we know people have choices. Every time you go to, to the grocery store or the filling station, you see Coke, Pepsi, RC, blah, blah, blah. We want people to choose Coke. And we'll never stop telling them that. Good for them. That's why Coke still is Coke. Anyway, Jim Talent, uh, we've had this discussion before, and this, and this, and this is why, in, in, in some ways, why Jim Talent lost to Claire McCaskill. First of all, Jim Talent was smeared by the Iraq War baloney. Uh, the the people like Harry Reid and others, who, in my opinion, are responsible for the deaths of multiple American soldiers because they declared the war is lost. You know, when he famously declared the war is lost, and they were the they were the people who undermined the Iraq War the whole time, and so and and Jim was partially held to account for the Iraq war, even though the reasons why the Iraq war wasn't going very well is because politicians were running it and not our military. It's the same thing that happened in Vietnam. But then I got, then now I'm going way off on the, on a tangent here, but that's what happened. And so Jim talent was wrongly had the stink of the Iraq war on him during that particular election in 2006. And so that that hurt him. But what hurt Jim Talent the most, in my opinion, was his assumption that because he was a Republican, that all the listeners, for instance, of 97-1, where I worked at the time, would vote for him. And so there was no reason for Jim Talent to come on Jamie Allman's show. Why Why speak to the choir after all, right? Why, why talk to the choir or sing to the choir or whatever that is? I can't remember what that is. But why oh, preach to the choir? That's what it is. So why do that when, when I can go on KMOX? You know, I, I could go on KMOX and, 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 and talk to them because there are uh, some people middle of the rotors over there. So I'll just talk to them. Oh, I'll go on 550 or, you know, I'll, I'll talk to the Post-Dispatch editorial board, but I won't go on Jamie Allman's show. And I got to tell you, I, I really had a hard time getting Jim on the show when he was running for, for re-election in the U.S. Senate. I had a hard time getting him on the show. And Jim was one of the most energetic politicians you're going to find in Congress and beyond. But somebody was advising him that he didn't need to talk to us because we were already Republicans and we're already probably going to vote for him. So, and this is, you know, kind of, I guess, you know, uh, my bad, but I, I, if, if someone like Claire McCaskill wants to come on my show, I wasn't going to bar her from coming on my show. And on top of that, it was my responsibility in, in that genre and as, as it would be here uh, to have uh, other people on. The only thing I, I kind of regret about this recent election is I kind of screwed Noga Sachs. I never had her on the show. But I, I, part, part of it was I was gone a lot. So I don't know. Either way, uh, 
Chuck says, as a choir director, I will tell you that the one must continually speak and preach to the choir. <laughs> right on, Chuck. Uh, and and I've, I've used this analogy before. I used to, I actually used the church analogy before. I mean, uh, why go to church one Sunday when you've been when you went to church last Sunday? Well, you, because you have to keep feeding your spirit and and and, and feeding your faith and 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 reinforcing your faith. That's why you know you, you, the religion and other things aren't just like about getting the T-shirt. You got to kind of live it. So anyway, Jim ignored me. Claire did not. So Claire came on my radio show, and we had our tussles over some fundamentals. But she was able to uh, to portray herself as kind of this main. Remember the whole. I'm Main Street as opposed to Wall Street, the Main Street, Wall Street stuff. She's able to run that rap. And I guarantee you there were people who voted for her who were Republicans because she portrayed herself as a reasonable Democrat and then summarily became an unreasonable Democrat. Democrat in in short order. By the time 2008 rolled around, she was flying around uh, with with Hillary, by the way. She was an Obama fan. And then when Obama was elected, she was flying around with him. So, you know, it's it's, – that's who she wanted to be. But but I think Jim regrets that he didn't preach to the choir and chose to talk – uh, to other people who he thought might vote for him. And the reality is uh, there are Democrats who are ne- they're never going to vote for a Republican. Actually, there are more Republicans who would vote for a Democrat because Republicans are uh, sometimes in their own worst enemy fashion uh, at least fair and, 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 and will listen to the other side. But nonetheless, it's something I think Jim ultimately – we'll talk to him a little bit about that because I think Jim would tell you, and I hope he talks to Josh Hawley and says, Josh, don't forget about your people. Don't forget about the people who made it possible for you to be attorney general. Don't forget about the people who made it possible for uh, a president to be elected who ultimately would endorse you. For a U.S. Senate seat. Don't forget about those people. Don't forget about the people who, if it weren't for them, Hillary Clinton might be president. And you wouldn't have a chance in hell of beating Claire McCaskill at that point. I mean, maybe you would to a certain degree because, you know, all these off term elections, sometimes midterm, so to speak, do wind up benefiting the opposing party. But you guys know what I'm talking about here. And you've, and you've got people you've got people who are hard workers on the democratic side who are going to want to get her elected and you have kooks on the left who are invading the mainstream and 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 Rosie O'Donnell is a great example of that. Did you see this interview with Rosie O'Donnell and Chris Cuomo? I have to tell you Chris Cuomo goes back and forth uh, yeah, Claire has two commercials out already against Josh, says Stan, Stan Young. Stan, I got to get you and your lovely wife to get your show together, buddy. Facebook message me and we'll get it all together, okay? Okay. So I got a lot of people. I talked to the America First Missouri people, too. Ben Murphy and Annette Reed and Diane Neff and Renee Artman, some of those folks out there. Told him, when are you guys going to get your Radio Free Almond show together? The grassroots show. 
on Radio Free Almond Network. We need one hour every day that's devoted to grassroots politics. Just call it the grassroots or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Uh, play the intro it with the, the grassroots music, whatever that is, and, 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 and do whatever. So can some of you guys get out there and, and push it a little bit? I've done all I can. Well, I haven't done all I can, but I'm, I won't stop. But get these people on here. I want, to, I want to, the Radio Free Almond Network to have an hour every day devoted to grassroots issues. By the way, can anybody tell me why Prop A was taken off the ballot? Uh, you know, I, I went, golly, I'm all over the map here. I'm sorry. I want to get to Rosie O'Donnell, but let me just get to something while it's on my mind. So I go to the, I go to the voting booth, um, the, the vote at my vote polling place, and I didn't have my driver's I lost my driver's license. I don't know where the hell it went. And I don't know why I have a picture of my driver's license on my phone. But I do, and thank goodness, because I used the picture on my phone to vote yesterday of my driver's license. And so I was able to do that. Well, I'm sitting there. I'm looking at the uh, – at the. I, I did a paper ballot and uh, instead of the electronic. Part of it was because nobody did the paper ballot, and there was a booth open. I was in a hurry, uh, although I will tell you that that damn paper ballot machine looks like a shredder to me. It just does. But anyway, they have a sign there that says, and I don't know whether this was a wise idea or not, because they had a sign there that said Proposition 4 was by court order taken off the ballot. Do you all know anything about that? Because I didn't see anything in the news about it being taken off the ballot. But it was taken – well, I'm sorry. It was, well, it wasn't taken off the ballot. It was still on the ballot. But it was rendered moot because of a court decision. So the, the, the paper – I wish they had taken a picture of it. Darn it. And by the way, uh, God bless the volunteers at the polling places. You guys are I, – I, I uh, don't envy you, and I appreciate you, and I hope none of you all had problems out there. But for the most part, I think these, uh, these polling place volunteers couldn't have been sweeter. I have to tell you, though, I, uh, I did worry a little bit because where I was and my polling place, I had to be vocal. Because you know, when you get a paper ballot, you have to – they ask you, what party do you choose? And I'm standing there, and I know in the middle of a bunch of uh, of a bunch of uh, liberals, because I live in a really liberal area, and I, uh, I mean, it's littered with them. Ugh. But nonetheless, I, I sat to, had to announce that I was a Republican right in front of everybody uh, because I wanted the Republican paper ballot, and uh, the and I thought maybe the ladies who I assume were probably liberal too, were going to look at me weirdly or oddly. And they didn't. They were nice, as nice as can be, even though I chose the Republican ballot. I mean, I don't expect the people to treat me like the cashiers at a grocery store when I decide I want paper instead of, when I want plastic instead of paper. You know how they used to do? Paper or plastic? Plastic. Oh, really? Hurting the environment, are you? Suffocating dolphins again? Yeah. 
but I did. I did. But they did look at me oddly. So anyway, I. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, Linda, thank you. Uh, proposition four: the judge required some change in wording. A councilman explained it. Uh, and and uh, on the show, I, I don't listen to. <laughs> so yeah, thank you for that. So anyway, thank you, Linda. The so I saw the sign that said that it had been basically sh- uh, shut down. It, proposition four. And it was going to be shut down. It was about campaign contributions. My assumption is that the wording was such I was going to vote no on it because anytime they talk about limitations on campaign contributions and that kind of stuff, I'm a, I'm a no. So I, 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 I went ahead and um, looked at that, but they said don't bother voting for this. Because it's been stricken from the ballot. Then I'm at the America First Missouri watch party last night, and someone was telling me that they had heard that if indeed it, it, the judge decides that it was they it's it's okay that those votes that have already been cast would count. I'm thinking, well, that doesn't make any sense. So I don't know what the real story on that is, but I I wound up just leaving it blank. But I voted. Uh, I, v- I voted. Uh, I just left it left it open. Didn't use. Didn't circle it. Anyway, the left. I uh, go back to Rosie O'Donnell. Is powered by the kooks now. And even though uh, the Post Dispatch actually uh, aired a, uh, put a story in the paper uh, about the Democratic elections. And and they used the term left wing, the writer did. It wasn't a local writer. It was a national writer. It's the first time I've ever seen actually the news media describe left wingers as left wing. But they did. But only to hold them up against the Democratic establishment. And they said for the most part throughout the country, establishment Democrats prevailed over left wing ones. Although we didn't see that in, in, in the prosecuting attorney's office. I mean, Wesley Bell is, uh, well, he, I don't wouldn't describe him as a left-wing kook by any stretch of the imagination, but, uh, but, but he's l- more left than Bob McCullough is. Bob McCullough is an established Democrat. And boy, they didn't help old Bob McCullough, did they? The Democratic Party threw him right under the bus, didn't they? Then amazing. The Democratic Party, for the most part, I mean, they, they'll support people like Lacey Clay, who bashed the cops on a regular basis during Ferguson. And then uh, the law and order guys like Bob McCullough, they'll throw right under the bus because it, it, it just goes to show you that it, 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 part of the soul of the, that Democratic Party still has that angst against our law enforcement, our men and women in blue, which is kind of drives me crazy. And I'm not saying that Wesley Bell is anti-cop, but he was part of that group up there. I, I, the, the court reform I'm fully in favor of, and I was part of that, and Eric Schmidt was part of that as a Republican. So I'm, I'm, it's not like I'm you know against any of that. But there was also a level of anti-law enforcement stuff that was going on there that I really didn't appreciate very much, and Wesley Bell was part of that. And it saddens me to see the Democratic Party throw a guy who is a law enforcement supporter like Bob McCullough right under the bus. They didn't they didn't try to save him at all. 
And of course, Wesley Bell also had that uh, that level of exoticism to him because he's kind of an off the grid Ferguson reformist, and you know, and I'm sure a bunch of white liberals in in St. Louis County had that kind of that little Obama swagger about him, and they thought that Wesley Bell was kind of like going to be, you know, the guy they could, you know. They're they're the white liberals with with the Black Lives Matter placards outside of their houses, and 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 like in Webster Groves, you know, and 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 they'll be the Wesley Bell guys, because just because he's off the grid and whatever else, never mind that he might not be the right person for the job, and that Bob McCullough was an excellent prosecutor. Although I had issues with Bob McCullough back in the day. Remember when when they were when he and. uh, the circuit attorney were of St. Louis were all saying, we're going to monitor language about if you're telling a lie about Barack Obama. Remember that those days during the Romney days? And I remember riding him like a rented mule about that one. But nonetheless, overall, Bob McCullough is a good guy. Uh, and, and, and more importantly, too, a law enforcement supporter. But, uh, but I was surprised to see that happen. But nonetheless, it's a sign that, you know, these. People are off the grid. You saw what happened with uh, Ocasio-Cortez up there and uh, Mark Kaysen's new, brand new Democrat here up there in New York. I mean, they're they're out there. They're, they're finding their cracks to slip into. So – and Rosie O'Donnell is no exception. Now, normally I have um, – I have been – critical of Chris Cuomo because he's got something going on with uh, What's-Her-Face, who's interviewed, uh, used to be, I always forget her name, uh, used to be on a lot more for the Trump administration, but he used to ride her and, you know, he's kind of obnoxious sometimes. But lately he's been, he's been pretty good with some of these kooky people he's interviewing and he pushes back on CNN. And I, I might, I might just get to the point where I believe that Chris Cuomo is even one of the best things they have going over there, instead of uh, the likes of the likes of Jake Tapper. But Rosie O'Donnell, she's the one who has was part of this protest outside the White House with all the Broadway people singing their songs and stuff and the bongo drums. But she's out in force now. Cuomo kind of got in on her, which I liked. I appreciated that very much. Or do you have a message of what you want to happen with this president? Well, I think most of America wants him to be out, although you can't tell that from reading some of the, you know, watching Fox News or whatnot. We've got just a couple months till November. And till then, uh, we have to fight with everything we got, because if somehow they're able to rig the elections again, as I believe they did in 2016, then uh, we're going to all be in trouble as democracy dies right here on our watch. Did they come in there and make Trump win when every single exit poll and every person in America knew for sure that Hillary Clinton was going to win? Do you think that there was anything to do with Russia or just a real big swirl for Donald Trump in these specific areas with the same exact amount of votes that were needed? I don't know. It looks very hanky to me. Is 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 that a conspiracy theory I just heard there? Because I thought I thought conspiracy theories weren't allowed on YouTube or on Facebook because uh, but Rosie O'Donnell still has her YouTube and Facebook and all that kind of stuff where she says exactly what she said there on CNN. 
But I thought conspiracy theories and that kind of stuff were uh, not allowed because I thought Alex Jones was kicked off of YouTube and kicked off of Facebook because thank you, Lisa. It's Kellyanne Conway because because he promoted this wacky idea about the uh, Sandy Hook shootings being somehow faked or whatever it was. I mean, so it's a it's a wacky idea, but but no more wacky than what Rosie O'Donnell just told us, right? So why is Rosie O'Donnell still on Facebook and YouTube and all that kind of stuff, but Alex Jones isn't? That's interesting. Now, I will, uh, I will have a situation where I, I will say that, that I understand that Facebook and YouTube and those folks that are private entities, they can do whatever they want. If Facebook doesn't want me on their air, they have every right to tell me uh, to take a hike and pull the plug on me. I don't, have, I don't have a right to be on Facebook. I don't have a right to be on YouTube. I don't have a right to be on Twitter. They're private companies. They have every right to decide what their content is. Uh, the problem becomes when they are monopolies and then they're deciding what their content is. And then, of course, there's a compelling interest to figure out whether or not they actually become the enemy of freedom as opposed to the expressors of freedom. And again, you got to tread very carefully when you're talking about regulation. I don't, I don't, I'm not a person who always calls for more government regulation, but you got to know that ultimately in some way, shape or form, you're going to, you're going to say, wait a minute. If there was another YouTube, I guess we, we could figure this out. Or if there was another Facebook, but that's why I think our answer needs to be, even though obviously one of the answers is creating, acting like they're utilities of sorts. But I think better acting like they're monopolies. I think acting like they're utilities is a, is a whacked out idea. But if they're monopolies, then they're the enemies of freedom. And the government has, has had always a compelling interest to uh, pursue antitrust violations against companies. They did it with the telephone company. They did it with J.P. Morgan and his gang there there during the Industrial Revolution. So it's not beyond the realm of comprehension. But you know what? Maybe instead of going there, let's do what Doug Giles is doing and and I'm doing with him, and that is go to Roku. We're going to have Clash Daily TV. I'm going to be part of that whole operation. Uh, Go to Roku, and we're going to have our show there, and we'll figure out a way to make sure people know about that. We might even promote it on Facebook and YouTube. And then once if they pull the plug on us, they can't pull the plug on Roku because they won't. Anyway, I'll talk more about that. But 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 keep in mind, Rosie O'Donnell just just imparted on us a, a conspiracy theory. I do believe there will be a call for impeachment from all those not heard who are the majority in America. No, I am not. I am believing in the American people. I believe in this country. I believe in what it was founded on. I believe in the Constitution. I think that on Election Day, we're going to show up in a huge way, in a way that we haven't ever seen before in the United States. And people have just really had enough. They've had enough of a president who separates families and puts babies in cages. You know all of the catchphrases. Every day he does something worse than the day before. Puts babies in cages. The last time we saw a baby in a cage, uh, and and again, you, you have to first of all decide that a ten-year-old is a baby in in, in that sense. Uh, the, the, the last time we saw a picture of somebody in a cage, it was from 2014, 
and Obozo was president of the United States, not Trump. These people are not in cages. Anyway. And he tops it and tops it and tops it. I believe that Trump is loathed in America, that people are embarrassed and ashamed of who he is. Yeah, that's, that's why everybody Trump kissed pre-election here, everybody Trump kissed won. Uh, Kansas, Washington, Michigan, Ohio. That doesn't really sound too much like uh, a major loathing of President Trump in this country. I think, did anybody who Trump supported lose? Do Do we know? Because I don't think they did. And even much to our chagrin, or the chagrin of a lot of people who didn't vote for him, Josh Hawley even benefited from President Trump's love. So I'm not quite sure uh, whether or not Rosie O'Donnell uh, is correct about that. In fact, I'm pretty sure she's not. In fact, I'm absolutely sure. I, may I modify my comment, please, uh, Your Honor? Yes, I can. That come election day, we're going to stand up at the polls and let him know. And unless he goes in and has the Russians kind of fix it like he did last <laughs> time in 2016, you know, we're going to see him gone. And Again, if that were Alex Jones, he'd be, he, she'd, she'd be off the air. Again, uh, that's no more kooky an idea than Alex Jones's 9-11 inside job Sandy Hook fake stuff that he promotes out there. And again, I'm not a, I'm not a huge follower of Alex Jones, but I'm a follower of freedom. And I, I would hope that I would not want Rosie O'Donnell pulled off of her Facebook or her YouTube channel because of something she said that was uh, that I didn't agree with. I wouldn't want that to happen to her. You know, what I'm waiting and hoping for and hoping that people across the country are inspired to use their own voice in whatever way to get people to know that this country is worth fighting for. Well, when you report the economy, you report. It's interesting. The way this is edited, you're not hearing Cuomo's questions. But Chris Cuomo, I saw the interview, and he did a really good job uh, with this. He did a, he, I thought he did a very good job pushing back on her. Uh, and, 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 and again, it doesn't really matter because we're not going to have to worry about her or anybody else in the midterms. Now, keep in mind, I was thinking about this yesterday regarding freedom because there's a lot of talk about freedom these days. And a lot of talk from Democrats about freedom. And they talk a lot about values and and all kinds of things. And they support Twitter taking off hate and and abolishing hate and all this kind of stuff and freedom. But it's interesting. I was thinking yesterday, uh, if you guys are so intent on the freedom, for instance, of – Facebook and YouTube because they're private entities to go ahead and and do whatever they want. Why wouldn't you similarly consider the U.S. taxpayer to have the same kind of level of freedom that a private company does? For instance, why would you not consider that perhaps, you know, when it comes to Planned Parenthood and the funding thereof, why why is it good for YouTube and Facebook to have all the freedom in the world, but bad for me to have the Before freedom. Before we get into that, though, yeah, to, the- to to not to to not pay for Planned Parenthood. 
It's funny how these guys love this idea that these entities all have the ultimate power to do whatever they want to, but then uh, they don't they don't give that to us as American citizens. They for they for instance make us pay for things we don't want to pay for or shouldn't pay for. And this isn't about like, well, I'm a U.S. taxpayer. I shouldn't have to pay for a war. No, that's one of the enumerated powers of the Constitution, this country defending itself. There's nothing in the Constitution that says I have to pay for somebody's abortion. I'm just telling you. We'll be back, though. And I'll take your comments on Facebook about what happened last night in the primary. Again, I'm convinced that there are a lot of crossover votes, that there are a lot of uh, Democrats who pulled Republican ballots, which is why we saw these whacked out numbers that I couldn't figure out why they were they where they were. Christine Smith and everybody else. Who's Christine Smith? Who's Ken Patterson? Has anybody been able to figure that out yet? How did Ken Patterson get more votes than Cortland Sykes did? I, it's 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 confounding to me, uh, and I'm not whining about it. I'm just saying it's just interesting. It looks like there are a lot of people who knew nothing about what was going on in the Republican Senate race, had ballots, and purposely voted for people who they had never heard of or whatever. I would have done that if it were if the shoe were on the other foot. So I think they did it too, which is why you have kind of these whacked out numbers. And, and you have these, these oddities that we saw in the election. Also coming up, this is kind of a little bit off the grid, but I'm fascinated by the story. The, the, there's, there's, I don't know. You guys remember Jaws, the original Jaws? Well, apparently there was a guy, and this is Stephen King's son, who was watching Jaws and has been heavily involved in this investigation of a murdered person in Florida and he saw her among the extras in the Jaws movie while he was casually watching the movie and now it's become this big gigantic murder mystery I'll tell you a little about that plus it's a great time to talk about Jaws too right we are live here in the Discovery Design Studio, discoverydesigninc.com for all of your building and roofing needs it's Discovery Design. Trucks, fleets, they'll wrap it. They'll paint it for you. They'll do whatever you need. DiscoveryDesignInc.com. Haven't seen you in a while. How you been? Have you changed your style? And do you think that we've grown up differently? Don't seem the same. Seems you've lost your feel for me So let's leave it alone Cause we can't see eye to eye There ain't no good guy There ain't no bad guy There's only you and me And we just disagree About you, 
This morning, we are back in the Discovery Design Studios here, Radio Free Almond. Thank you all for uh, checking in and hanging out. And uh, thank you all. I hope you all got out there to vote. I know you're not happy, some of you, uh, with the results. Uh, but I also know that you're kind of uh, ready to rock one way or the other uh, with this Senate race. I don't know what your thoughts are about you going to the polls or whether or not this is something you can uh, hold your nose and do. But I will tell you that I hope that Josh Hawley has been instructed uh, that he needs to fight. I hope that he's been instructed that he needs to earn the votes of the grassroots. And I hope that ultimately he is going to one way or the other, get it finally and know that he cannot phone this in and that he's got to work hard because believe me, the people are out there and you know what? They still are going to fight for, for, the Democratic Party and do whatever they want to do, and they're still going to uh, make sure uh, that they're out there in force. Now, keep in mind, folks, uh, I will tell you also that this was pretty shocking to me, but I guess not necessarily surprising. And this is a good indication that uh, the Democratic Party, in spite of the humiliation President Trump even gave it last night with all of his endorsed candidates doing a good job. The uh, uh, Richard said, is it me or is there a growing number of first-time comments on Radio Free Almond? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny how we've been around for four months, Richard, and thank you for being with us as long as you have. And uh, we, our audience grows every single day. People are some getting around to, you know, discovering that the app is out there and Facebook. And so our audience is growing. I checked with Ryan just the other day, yesterday, in fact, and he said uh, we are, we're still doing monster stream numbers, monster Facebook numbers. Our interaction is number one uh, of, of any show. A- any show in terrestrial radio, our Facebook interaction remains uh, tops. 
uh, when it comes to our numbers and that kind of thing. So I appreciate the people who are on, signed up, ready to go, and who have uh, joined the crew here at Radio Free Allman. And thank you all who have been around. Lise, thank you. Uh, Margaret, thank you. And Richard, thank you. But uh, here's a good indication that the Democrats are still going to be in this to win it. And this is a situation where you have Barack Obama who is out to dinner in Martha's Vineyard, right? This is where they vacation. Uh, Mighty white of him, by the way, to go to Martha's Vineyard. But anyway, he's out there and he and Michelle are having dinner. And somebody gets wind of the fact, and keep in mind, this is Massachusetts. This is Martha's Vineyard. And so you're going to have liberals there. But my goodness, do you see what happened when Barack Obama is out there and he's, uh, he's, they're eating dinner and then they decide they're going to, uh, to leave the restaurant and, and it's called TMZ. That's Barack Obama leave, leaving a restaurant, people. And these people are all cheering and, and, and are going crazy for the guy. So that cannot be in any way, shape, or form underestimated by anybody. If you do, it is uh, going to be at your peril. And if Josh Hawley, for instance, forgets, that there remains a ton of love for all of the Democrat dinosaurs out there, including Claire McCaskill, you basically cannot in any way, shape, or form underestimate the power of these individuals. Claire McCaskill already has uh, two ads out that are anti-Hawley ads, and Hawley, right off the bat, challenged her to a debate and she's laughing that off because she thinks she's going to cakewalk this thing herself. So uh, I don't want Holly to think he can cakewalk this thing because it's not going to, it's not going to help. By the way, uh, in other kind of off the grid, off politics news, there was a news media blackout on a, a situation that there was a family event at a park in Florida and it was ironically themed peace in the park. So there was a man who got into a fist fight with another man left and then returned with a gun. He decided he was going to open fire in the crowded park with bullets flying everywhere, even past children and everything else. And after the shooter raised his weapon again. The second guy shot him and effectively ended the shooting spree before anybody else could have been possibly harmed. So this is a good guy with a gun story. And all three networks and the cable news Mentioned some, you know, uh, 
some element of the of the of, of the parking lot shooting we saw, there was no mention of this particular gun story on ABC, NBC, or CBS, even though ABC's own website provided the story. And Fox News did finally did cover the story itself, but this is a story that while there was another parking lot shooting that took place, a parking lot dispute in Florida a few weeks back. Remember that whole thing with the, uh, this is why you don't need 3D guns, and this is why you can't, this is why guns are bad, this is why things are bad, this is why you can't do it. They covered that exhaustively, that parking lot shooting in Florida, and yet didn't cover this story at all. A back-to-school event meant to promote peace turns violent in a heartbeat. Videos hard to watch. Gunfire breaking out during that event at a Florida park. Fortunately, though, the shooting was stopped by a good guy with a gun. The bystander, who was licensed to carry, fired back immediately. The initial shooter was the only person injured. Yeah, so uh, the, the, the shooter himself was the only person injured. And Fox News are, are the uh, only Individuals who reported that story about the good guy with the gun. Unbelievable. And here again is uh, Don Lemon, by the way. Another uh, dumb Don Lemon, I guess as Trump would call him. There was, these guys are so desperate for attention during the Ohio race last night where uh, oh, Amy says she personally knows three conservatives who didn't vote yesterday. Amy, do you know why they didn't? They didn't vote. Is there? Is there? Uh, why wouldn't they vote? I, I mean, I realize people are busy, and I, I get all that. But why wouldn't? Why wouldn't a conservative go out and vote? I could see it if you were middle of the road and didn't feel like you had a stake in this or a stake in that. I don't know why anybody doesn't vote. By the way. But still, crazy. Anyway, back to this Ohio thing. So, so CNN, uh, knowing that, of course, uh, the Democrats are going to basically go down in flames again because President Trump endorsed an opponent of theirs, CNN decided they were going to get pumped up about the fact that they were watching CNN at the – Danny O'Connor election night event. And Don Lemon made a big, big deal about the fact, oh, you're watching the watching CNN, are you? Wow, it's amazing. To the headquarters now of the Democratic candidate, Danny O'Connor, and none other than Rebecca Berg is there for us. Hello to you, Rebecca. What are you hearing from people out there? Good evening. Well, we knew this race would be close, and of course it is. Uh, Democrats not, you know, giving up on this race, certainly, uh, but certainly. Yeah, but, but, but you could tell by her voice they are they were giving up on the race. <laughs> she 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 it was taking you know, uh, everything in her to act remotely excited. They would like to see Danny O'Connor right now leading. Um, they're defying expectations as it is. This is, is a dis- this is his district. They're cheering for us. We, we have CNN on in the room, as you can see. Um, but 
this is. This yeah, is so, so happy. They're watching CNN, which, which, which I don't think is actually going to ultimately necessarily make them better educated voters or, for that matter, turn this into a win for them. By the way, uh, somebody on here, let's see, Sandy says she thinks CBS covered the story in depth. Are you talking about the story about the, the good guy with a gun? Because that story was not on the major networks, according to newsbusters, according to people who monitor this stuff. So I'll double back on that and, and confirm whether or not I was right. But uh, it's my understanding that only Fox News covered the good guy with a gun angle on the story. Now, uh, maybe they covered the fact that there was a shooting at this at this school event. But uh, if you can go ahead, since, since you know that CBS covered this at, at length, go ahead and post uh, the example of CBS covering it at length. And then I will uh, certainly change my story. I appreciate you uh, tuning in, though, and being on Facebook, that's for sure, and trying to keep everybody honest. So I'm I'm with you on that. And uh, thank you for uh, for keeping it straight. But if that's true, then please let me know uh, when it comes to uh, to the truth about that. But it's my understanding, and I'm, I'm, I'm using my source as newsbusters, that the three networks did not cover the good guy with a gun story, and only Fox News did. Interesting story in the Post-Dispatch, and it's only interesting because it's David Weigel from the Washington Post, and using the term left-winger, which normally when they describe individuals who are on the left, I've never heard them. Well, first of all, they rarely use the term left, and I've rarely heard them use the term left wing. I'll read it here for you. The Democratic Party's left wing insurgency found its limits on Tuesday night with voters favoring establishment candidates over more liberal challengers in almost every closely watched race across several states. This is going to be interesting if if Claire McCaskill or if Joe Manchin or if John Tester or if uh, Heidi Heitkamp or anybody else happens to be reading this story because it basically means that they better follow President Trump in his footsteps when it comes to appointing a guy like Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. Because with the exception of Ocasio uh, Cortez elected up there in New York and maybe Wesley Bell elected as the prosecuting attorney, it looks like the left wing kooky guys aren't necessarily making a lot of headway. And I'm not referring to Wesley Bell as a left-wing kook. I don't believe he is. He's liberal, but I don't think he's a kook. But nonetheless, when it comes to some of the bigger races, uh, this ought to be a warning to some of the people already in office, including Claire McCaskill, that they're better off following in the footsteps of a President Trump than they are in trying to go off the grid and following the the, the the person who could very well be the next Pied Piper, which would be Ocasio-Cortez. Anyway, in Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer easily won the Democratic nomination for governor over a guy named Abdul El-Sayed, a doctor backed by Bernie Sanders. In suburban House districts across the Midwest, left-wing candidates lost to Democrats backed by party leaders, abortion rights groups, 
and labor unions. And St. Louis got a special mention here. In St. Louis, where party giant slayer Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez traveled to help a young insurgent, and that was Cori Bush, you remember, because Casey was all lathered up about that, all happy about that. I had I had Ocasio-Cortez lined up to be on the show. She just couldn't be on the show. But she came in to talk about Cory Cory Bush and 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 do all that kind of stuff and be in be in for him. She's the next president of the United States guaranteed when Donald Trump is in jail when we all go and visit him in our van. And Donald Trump is going to be in jail. Ocasio-Cortez will be in the White House. Mark my words. So anyway, she comes in to, uh, to stump for Cori Bush, and it didn't help Cori Bush. And keep in mind, though, it is, uh, it is Lacey Clay. I mean, it's hard to knock off some of these Democrat strongholds. It's been done before. I mean, if I were Lacey Clay and I saw the election of Bruce Franks Jr. or uh, Rasheen Aldridge as a committeeman in the Fifth Ward there and saw the Hubbard family kind of dismantled, I would have been a little concerned about all this because there are some people making some headway in the Democratic Party uh, who are kind of off the grid. But it looks like these folks who are kind of the insurgent left, according to Dave Weigel, are not really making much much headway. But you know what? Don't tell them that. Keep it keep it going so uh, so that so that they're tricked into believing that they actually have some power. And say no 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 it's true. The crazier you are, the better off you'll be. Believe me. Keep talking about abolishing ICE and taking our guns and keep talking about you know. The more abortion, the better. Keep doing that. That'll work for you. That'll work for you. Six weeks after Ocasio-Cortez beat Joseph Crowley, uh, stunned him, signs of a Tea Party-like movement in the Democratic Party that would throw winnable races to far-left candidates appear to be fading. Instead, the party's establishment has embraced ideas like expanding Obamacare and shrinking the space between its leaders and its disruptors. So what they've done is they've, they've decided they were going to uh, go ahead and, and be more like Obama you know, and, and embrace all of Obama's old ideas and just kind of retread those and see if they could somehow knock this off. The party centrists who saw Crowley's defeat saw Tuesday night as a turning point. Whitner, who was uh, the person in Michigan, ran on a record of expanding Medicaid in Michigan and a memorable promise to fix the damn roads. So they'll, they'll now lead an all-female ticket in a swing state that Hillary Clinton lost. So it looks like there are only certain areas where you can get a leg in uh, if you are a left-wing Democrat, and that is if you're facing a Democrat who is lazy. And, and the same goes for Republicans. If you're facing Republicans who happen to be kind of sitting on the sidelines, if Josh Hawley decides he's just going to phone this baby in, he will lose. 
because you can't energize. You're not energizing people. You're not energizing the grassroots, but they got to be very careful about this. this. But it appears that the left wing is not necessarily uh, not necessarily making the inroads that uh, Mark Kaysen believes uh, Ocasio-Cortez is is shepherding in. Before I get to this, I'm going to go ahead and get my uh, – do you think we'll keep, be kicked off Facebook for for uh, playing the Jaws theme? Let me see because I need to play the Jaws theme in order for, for this story to work for you, to give you the kind of radio magic that you demand on a regular basis. There. Your Jaws was the most, I'll never forget when it first came out in 1974. And actually we were, we liked to vacation in Florida at the time. We just go down there. And I love the ocean and everything else. Jaws came out. And that was one of the most terrifying movies I had ever seen. If I talk over it, Kim, maybe not, though, right? So, I, w- I watched the movie not too long. It, was, it came back on. I was flipping through. Usually I find these things when I'm flipping through the channels looking for baseball highlights, and I get stopped. Because I never know the damn channel the baseball highlights are on. It drives me nuts. I can never remember what number it is. I like watching MLB Tonight. I like watching MLB Tonight for all the baseball highlights. I like the hosts on there. Dan Plesak or whatever his name is. It's other guys. But I like watching the baseball highlights. But usually what I do is I turn... Well, here's, here's how it works for me. Stop for a second. Here's how it works for me when I have time to watch TV... Uh, before I prepare the show or maybe while I'm preparing the show or maybe uh, after I prepared the show, whatever. So I sit there and, and first the, the routine is I go and I turn the TV on and it's, uh, or usually maybe it's already there and there's a blue screen and evidently the girls have been watching or doing some kind of uh, maybe a game. They, they took uh, Grandma's Wii home with them the other day. Or they, they are watching like a show, a show uh, like a DVD or something or like that, or Netflix. I don't know. But it's a blue screen, and I go on, and sometimes I get lucky. So I'll push a button, and sometimes I'll get lucky, and and and, and the, the TV will come on to the regular TV, and then I could pers- pursue the channels that I want to watch. Other times, I'll push a button, and I'll be darned if that TV will not come on. And I sit there and push button after bus- button, thinking I'm going to get lucky with the clicker, and it'll just appear on the TV, but I keep seeing that screen, and I see no signal or something, and... I'm like, and then finally I just give up. I can't wake people up. I guess I could get get Aiden if he's still playing 
downstairs or something. I could I could get him to do that in the basement, but not all the time. So sometimes it's so I'm trying to get the damn thing on, and and I uh, I sometimes just give up. But when I am lucky, then it'll come on the 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 TV will come on, and then at that point I have forgotten the number of the channel of MLB tonight. And it doesn't matter whether I had watched it the night before. For some reason, I can't retain the number of the channel. Uh, yeah, Kim's like, why can't they just put it back to this TV station when they're finished? I don't know. I have, I can't remember to remind them. So uh, I, I turn it on, and then I, I can't remember what the damn thing is. Yeah, Graham Amsinger. Oh, he's from St. Louis. I like that. Thank you, Margaret. But I, I, I can't remember the channel. So then I have to go. Then I just have to click through. I guess I could look at the menu, but I'm afraid of pushing the button on the clicker. That first of all, it's it's a little dark. I can't see. So I don't have my reader. So I can't see what it is. I can't see on the clicker. So I don't want to push a button. And then turn the TV off or switch it to something that I can't get it back to. So I don't bother looking at the menu, which I probably could do. And then uh, Laura Liz says it's the input button. I know. Barbara's like, text it to yourself. I know. I, I, okay, I'm going to do all that. I'm going to bone up on all that tonight. So I can't find the channel. So I got to click through the stations. So occasionally, you know, uh, like one night I was clicking through and there was um, there was the murder she wrote was on, and I love murder she wrote. It's a great show, and so I I think I got into a loop. I like watched five of them or something because <laughs> they were back to back on this cha- whatever channel this is. It's back to back, so you can watch a murder she wrote. You can binge murder she wrote. So I did that, and murder she wrote's a good good show because you can hardly. I, you, I've never been able to predict like who it is. Like normally, it's kind of a little bit. It's like a TV. It's a uh, film version of uh, like Scooby Doo because you always, you know, there's there's always like like at the end, you know, they pull the mask off the monster. It's like, well, no, and and what's her face with the glasses? Why it's old Mister Dithers after all. Oh, yeah, Dan says it's the Hallmark Channel, right. So I, I could never figure out. I, it's one of the best murder mystery uh, shows I've seen ever seen because uh, I could never figure out. Yeah, Robin's like, I need a helper. I do kind of need somebody, a helper. I know I sound pathetic, though, don't I? But anyway, so I'm clicking through the, the channel. So sometimes it'll be Murder, She Wrote. Occasionally I might um, there might be a some oh there sometimes I get caught up on these uh, televangelist shows, and I, I like watching those. Uh, and and sometimes I'll get uh, uh, hung up on on those channels. I, I don't know why I have an affinity for these televangelist shows, but I do. I like I like it when they have their music, and I like how passionate they are, and. I love that. I love people watching people who are into what they're doing, you know, and they are uh, David Crank and his wife. His pastor, they, they have they have gr- a great show 
on anyway. So that now get wrapped up in that. But and eventually, maybe I'll make it to a major league uh, MLB tonight. So one night I'm I'm doing it, and I uh, and there's Jaws is on, and 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 thankfully, actually, it's uh, it's already after the first attack has taken place, but. That first attack is what is the probably the most terrifying I've ever seen of Jaws. Scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. Very intimidating. You know that 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 nighttime swim. You know, she's getting into the water and they're all laughing. <laughs> Let's go swimming. Like, no. And the first time you ever see it in your life is when it's the scariest. She's like swimming and 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 it's not enough that the that jaws that the shark decides to just like if you're a shark. I don't know why I, I, I gotta put my mind into the mind of a shark, but like if I was a shark, if I grabbed you, I'd take you down. I take you down all the. Way. I would take you down all the way. I do the. Uh, I do like the alligators. That what they do. They like twist around. You know, I don't know what they do. They twist around. They grab you. But this shark in Jaws decides it's just going to nibble. So that so it so it pulls that one the one swimmer chick down once and then she comes back up again and it's real it's terrifying it's scarier than hell so they pull her down and then then the, then the shark decides i know what i'm gonna do. i'm just gonna kind of eat her slowly here i'm gonna pull her down once she's gonna come back up i'm gonna pull her down again she's gonna come back up and then i think i'll just pull her down another time and let the movie director go right to morning and that's what they did in Jaws. And, and Jaws is a scary movie, even to this day. And that even that, even that mechanical shark is terrifying still. And, and that's the one movie that, I don't know, they haven't remade it, have they? Because you can't remake. There's no way. I, any, the next person that tries to remake Jaws, um, that's when we need the government to step in and 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 knock them off the air and prevent them from... That's what we need true censorship is if they try to make Jaws again. Step in and say, you can't do that. You cannot remake Jaws. So anyway, Stephen King's son did something similar to what I do, although probably less clumsily. What, what, what he was doing was there was a there – was uh, uh, he was looking at the Jaws 40-year anniversary – and he saw something that jolted him from his seat at the movie theater. And I'm kind of reading from this uh, story in um, the morning at the Washington Post. So it jolted him in the movie theater while he's watching the movie. And so it wasn't the – it says here it wasn't the, 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 the shark that stupefied him. It was this fleeting appearance of an extra cast member in a crowd scene 
approximately 54 minutes and two seconds into the movie. The young woman seemed to have the same visage he had recently seen in a composite sketch of the victim of a grisly murder that had stumped police on the far reaches of Cape Cod for 44 years. you believe this? He first recorded his hypothesis on his Tumblr page back in 2015 and then said, hey, put your eyes on this, check this out, um, and, and look, at, look, at, look at what you saw. So now, of course, they've, they've reopened this investigation into this woman. And it says, on the morning of late July in 1974, a teenage girl was walking her dog along the sandy dunes of Provincetown, Massachusetts, when she came to a grove of scrub pine trees. In a clearing lay the body of a woman already decomposed between 20 and 40 years old, and they think she was uh, killed by somebody hitting her. Auburn hair, tied in a ponytail, rubber barrette, and pink painted toes. Her corpse was in a green beach blanket, blah, blah, blah. Um, and a clue uh, was seven gold crowns found in her teeth that um, revealed what they saw was the New York style of dentistry. But authorities had never been able to figure out her identity, much less who killed her. So they exhumed her body in 2010 to create a composite sketch and they were extracting DNA samples using radar, all that kind of stuff, and contacting dentists and those kinds of things to come up with a forensic reconstruction of the victim that appeared in the Boston Globe and resulted in a, uh, a writing and a recitation of these unsolved cases. So within months of its publication in 2014, the book wound up that this guy wrote about these unsolved cases in the hands of Stephen King's son. Stephen King, by the way, is a jackass, anti-Trump jackass, but that doesn't matter. But I just had to bring that up. He was especially struck by the case of the lady in the dunes, as they call her. Uh, and this is a person who, uh, a composite st- sketch, uh, which could be a photograph because it was so exact about a third of the way through the film which was filmed in the summer of 74 a ferry disembarks at Martha's Vineyard and I off the southern Cape Cod in the crowd is a woman wearing jeans and a blue bandana and so he's looking at this movie and this extra and he says I feel like I had seen the lady of the dunes and her face had come up out of the crowd at me and it came and went in a moment, and there was no rewind button because he was in the theater. He wondered, had one of the extras in Jaws been murdered a hundred miles away from the site where the movie was filmed? The woman's build looked familiar. There was the blue bandana, and, and that was familiar. Uh, and he said, I heard that... Uh, Everyone who was out on Cape Cod in the summer of 97.4 appears in the movie Jaws. It might be an exaggeration, but there's a nugget of truth. People knew there were movie stars on Martha's Vineyard. The possibility that a person would make a stop on the island and appear in the movie is not unreasonable. That evening, looked on his computer if he could see, zero in on the scene, but the screen on his MacBook didn't yield clear enough picture. He let it go for a while. 
Um, he mentioned the theory to an FBI agent he knew, um, flit through the frame at one at a time, and he said, wow, there she is. And even though he thought it was kind of far-fetched, he brought it to the police department there in Provincetown. Uh, the t- detective said, you know, I, I'm, I'm going um, to find out what's going on here. So they looked at the production records of Jaws, and the film studios didn't keep the kind of records on extras that they do now. Um, they, they looked at archives at Universal Pictures and all that kind of thing and and tried, but he still thinks they're going to try to ultimately solve the case. So they didn't have the names of extras. Like normally if you're an extra, they'll put your name down and they'll they'll figure it out and, and, and they'll pay you and do all that kind of stuff. But uh, calling attention to the hordes of people on Martha's Vineyard this summer can only further the investigation. There are people alive today who were in that shot in Jaws and know they're in the shot. So he's trying to figure out whether or not there's someone who might be able to identify or talk to that person or whatever. But isn't that crazy? Because even her her hair and everything is exactly the way it looks in that freeze frame of her picture in 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 as an extra that was screenshotted in in jaws i i know it's a it's a it's a far fetched theory but uh no more far fetched than russians affected the election of uh president donald trump i, I you know i mean i i don't i don't think uh i think every every idea is acceptable here Anyway, following up on our discussion yesterday about the people who are accusing President Trump of being racist and people because he's attacking certain people as dumb who happen to be black. And of course, now that's the that's the big thing now is that apparently the Democrats and some of the left are holding out all hope that there's a good chance that 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 LeBron James will be their key to victory in uh, in 2018. That now now that they've they've been able to convict President Trump of being racist, and LeBron James is the poster child for said racism, they could maybe move this ball forward and keep this ball afloat. Because anytime they could just sneak out any kind of nugget that proves Donald Trump is a racist or shows he's a racist, they will do it. Mark my words. And, the, and they, uh, they're doing it now with this whole president Trump is racist because he's calling LeBron James dumb and Don Lemon dumb. That makes him, that makes him a racist all of a sudden, even though he calls white people uh, dumb all the time. Anyway. So this guy's on MSNBC. His name is Jason Johnson. And he is insinuating somehow that President Trump only attacks blacks who disagree with him and will never attack others who agree with him. And yet he doesn't describe it as being others who agree with him. Listen to how Jason Johnson describes blacks who agree with him. And, 
and Lawrence, here's the thing. All of this fury is at his... Hold on. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I don't know why this is happening here. Hang on. And, and Lawrence, here's the thing. All of this fury is at his enemies. Well, who appear to be Donald Trump's enemies? The press, you know, which are supposed to be here, which are sort of written into the Constitution of free press, and black people who do nice things, whether it happens to be a reporter on another network or it happens to be an African-American from Akron who opened up a school. It seems one of the areas of Trump tweeting that does have a logic is the racist component of Trump right. tweeting, which is, in effect, uh, a kind of an open form of direct mail <laughs> to the, the, the members of his support group. It's a dog whistle. Racist. Right. And, and, and here's the thing, Lawrence, and I think this is very important, uh, and I, I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> your other guests will agree with me. Racism and white supremacy and white nationalism spewed by the President of the United States is a national security issue. It is a national security issue when the president of the United States demonizes certain working segments of the U.S. population as somehow being less fit, less trustworthy, or less capable. This is what our enemies exploit. This is what Russia exploits. This is what China exploits. You look throughout history, when other countries have always attempted propaganda or attacked the United States, what they talk about is how the U.S. treats blacks, how the, how the U.S. treats Chinese people, how the U.S. treats Native Americans. So when you have a president that exacerbates that kind of that basically attacks any and all black people who aren't bojangling for him on a regular basis at the White House, it makes the United States a weaker country. It makes us less capable of protecting ourselves. Or Did you hear how he describes black people who agree with President Trump? He describes them the same way that uh, a lot of people describe black people who dare speak their mind in support of President Trump. You've seen where Henry Davis is uh, always accused of being a token or Henry Davis is always accused of being for sale or always uh, accused of being an Uncle Tom. Although uh, I won't get into it now, but uh, calling somebody an Uncle Tom in reference to them sucking up to white people and everything else is, um, is, is actually not exactly accurate. Because uh, Uncle Tom actually was was not a friend of of white people, but that's a that's a story for another day. So he used the term bojangling as a description of somebody who dares, who's black, who dares agree with with President Trump, and. Of course, that is a derogatory term. It's it's basically just kind of insinuating somehow that it's this black guy uh, dancing for whitey, uh, and it is it is it's 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 based on the song you know Mister Bojangles, which I know I'm going to start a fight here, but it's eight fifty nine, so I might start a fight, but I'm getting out of here, so I'm not going to be fighting on this, but um, I can't stand the song, Mr. Bojangles, because it's so pathetic, and I, I don't like those self-pitying type of songs like Mr. Bojangles. Sammy Davis Jr. kind of does a, a, a version of it, which isn't bad. But it's still kind of sad and sad-sacky, you know? 
I don't I, I don't really like the whole sad sacky thing. I gotta tell you, I love Sammy Davis Jr. though. Wow, have you ever seen him? Ever seen any YouTube clips of him performing and doing his thing? Sammy Davis Jr. was really super talented. But anyway, that's the level where the left wing is so demeaning towards black people. And I don't care whether it's the black left winger or the white left winger. They are Anderson Cooper, who who assumed that this uh, Jason Denard, who defended President Trump and said he wasn't a racist because he he attacks everybody as being dumb. Sometimes it's just kind of his, the way he his is his queen's attitude. And Anderson Cooper said, yeah, I know this is your gig. And I know that you're, you'll be punished if you say something, any anything uh, wrong about President Trump. And, and the guy's like, this isn't my gig. I'm not paid to do this. I'm my own person. But Anderson Cooper insinuated somehow, well, you can't possibly be uh, – you can't possibly be a black man and be of your own mind on Donald Trump. You have to be somehow for sale or somehow working for the master. That was Anderson Cooper's take. And then uh, blacks who dare talk in favor of President Trump don't even get decent treatment from other blacks. Who use the term for a black person supports Trump as, uh, as, as bojangling for President Trump. That that's just is that that's kind of the what we get, but and that is uh, it's too bad. It's that that talk about that kind of discourse, and and blacks are sometimes their worst enemies. Gia Valenti says she used to you used to perform with Sammy Davis. Wow, that must have been cool. I need to know more about that. Because Gia Valenti, as you know, she's been on the show with us. She's on vacation right now in Arkansas. But she used to uh, be a Broadway performer and performs at the Muni all the time and did a lot of uh, dancing and singing. But I didn't know you were – I didn't know you did something – I'm not – I didn't know you were – did something with Sammy Davis Jr. Wow. Hold on a second here. I'm going to find my theme. When I grow up, I'm going to have all this stuff right in my – at my disposal – uh, like I used to, but I, I'm working on this. Uh, uh, Radio Free Almond 2.0 is getting there. You know, just uh, give me a break here, will you, please, people? Uh, so Sammy Davis Jr. and and, and somebody said uh, asked if he was nice, and uh, I'm no slouch, Jamie. Well, I didn't say you were a slouch, but uh, Sammy Davis Jr. I encourage you to look at some of his older performances where you can see him doing all kinds of different things, but where he's acting and dancing and tapping and that kind of thing. And he is really talented. He was always talented, always very funny and always very engaging. And gee, was he as tiny as he looked? Oh, you did the variety. Okay. Yeah. The variety club. That's right. Sammy Davis jr. Did that. The variety club telethon. Look at you. Then at one point, I think I think Lou Rawls was uh, was in. Lou Rawls was one of the nicest guys too. I remember Lou Rawls being um, really tiny, but he had a big head, gigantic head. 
of these performers do. I saw the Andy Williams Christmas special one time at the Fox. I just kind of sat up close. And Andy Williams was uh, was tiny too, but he had a gigantic head. What it is? It's TV. All right, folks. Yeah, you guys want to know more about Roku? I'll get, I'll keep you up to speed on that. I'm working with Doug Giles on Clash Daily TV, and we're going to get something going on with Radio Free Allman on Roku and Clash Daily TV. So we'll work on that. Anyway, have a great rest of your day, everybody. RadioFreeAlman.com is your place to go. Don't forget about our wonderful sponsors, including Santino's Cigars and Cocktails. Mattress King, one mattressking.com. Santino's, by the way, down there at Bogle Road in Arnold. Don't forget about uh, Discovery Design, discoverydesigninc.com. And Naputi Wellness, naputiwellness.com. Eric Naputi, my doctor, awesome. And don't also forget about my insurance agent. His name is Matthew Mitchell. He has great rates, especially for young people. All right, drivers, those kind of things. Great rates. Some of the best rates in town for young people. He's my home. He's my car. He's my life insurance agent. It's the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency. 855-QUOTE-ME. It's 855-QUOTE-ME. All right. Thanks for listening to Radio Free Allman. RadioFreeAllman.com. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.